Hey, hey, welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. This week, we've got Ethan Sweetland May, who was one of my housemates uh, over a decade ago when we were both in Bible college together in a ministry school. And uh, this is the first time we've talked in probably, gosh, close to that, probably about 10 years. Um, and so I hope you enjoy us catching up and, and talking about the process that Ethan's been on since then of deconstructing his faith and rebuilding something um, anew. And so let's jump in. Phil, so good to see you, man. It's amazing to see I am trying, I was trying to think, I was trying to explain who you were to my wife. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, well, basically when I wanted to go to America, I didn't really have any way to go and like, find it anything to do with flats so i just right. messaged uh, the right. first person i found on the bethel right. kind of like weird portal website and i was like hey do you want to live with me <laughs> like, yeah, I was like yes I that's kind of I how do. i remember this conversation going like i don't really <laughs> no, know that, that i mean as far as i know that is that's all that happens okay the great thing is that even if i wanted to get rid of this background i don't think i can amazing. yeah amazing i don't like because Aberlin set this up and so if you're cool with this being on your that can be your background you can um I I think if you where it says like stop video if you click the arrow next to it you can say choose virtual background should be in the bottom left let's see oh there's Eve and then oh wait wait. choose virtual background there that's the one so you should be able to like disable or whatever yeah I think I like I, she also downloaded as another choice for Eve this like Ooh. Sesame Street background. Oh, here we go. Uh, which I think, you know, could there, you know, Dude. that's very friendly. I feel like it's very on brand for, you know. That is, that is on brand for your vibe. Because when you think about it, like Sesame Street has been really deconstructing and like moving into like on a kind of a progressive arc a little bit, you know? There's, there's so, some sort of um, like a. Uh, some form of like masters in the arts, doctorate in the arts, and someone is looking at uh, an yes. arc of Sesame Street and how it has influenced the uh, the progression of the the I don't know U.S. populace, the children. I, I think we have Sesame Street here. I don't even remember. We didn't. I didn't grow up with Sesame Street, um, but I don't know if I just didn't like it and therefore didn't watch it. I don't. I don't know. My whole childhood is this blur. I don't. I don't have. Um, I don't have the capacity to visualize things in my head. So it's called aphantasia. So if you said like picture a red elephant, I couldn't do that. I can't picture what my mom looks like. I can't even picture what Tilly, my wife, looks like in my head. I can't picture that. So it makes remembering things from my childhood really, really tough because I think that's how we store so much of our memory. Oh yeah, is visually. Um, I only found this out about three years ago. My wife was, I don't know, it's much re- more recent. Actually, probably about a year and a half ago, my wife was talking to me and she was like, oh yeah, I was just like reliving that memory from when I was like, what, what did, I was like, what do you mean by like reliving a memory? It's like, you know, like when you just like close your eyes and you can see it and you kind of like, you almost watch it like a video. And I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. I'm like, what are, you, are you kidding me? I was like, is this some sort of superpower? And she said, I think everyone can do this. I'm like, no. Uh, you're like so, actually so, false, hurtful. Uh, on another note, um, yeah, no, that's a, so, so you remember things that happened. You have like narrative memory. You can tell a I'm story. I'm good at remembering the information. Right. But like not, right. wow. Yeah. I, I, this is a, this is already a great experience for me. I'm already. It's fascinating, right? I mean, it, apparently one in 50 people have um, aphantasia to some degree on a big spectrum. And so huh. some people like maybe only see visually in black and white or something like that. That might be a, a slight type of it. But I like. I just don't, you know, when I always thought like when they say picture something in your head, I thought they were just 
I, I didn't even know what I thought, but I didn't <laughs> actually picture things. Like, you got it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I know what red is. I know what an elephant is. So I can, yeah. Right. You're like, like, Jesus lives in my heart. Yeah. I got it. It's whatever that is. It's whatever that well, means. That was less disturbing and confusing for me, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> picturing that is weird. Right. No, it's, yeah. Uh, now that my daughter, you know, Eve, is five. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, she she she's pretty she's pretty keyed in on she's like, um, it's weird that we don't see God, and it's also weird that um, he like matters but isn't around. So yeah, she's a we're I I I've tried I've tried to explain like what what heaven is conceptually, but the great thing about trying to describe anything that I think I understand to Eve is understanding that I really don't understand what I'm about to describe. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's surreal. Like there is an element of when you have to explain it to, uh, is that whole, is it Einstein said, if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, you don't understand it. Um, I don't know if he actually said that or if that's like some smart person was like, if it's, I just put Einstein into this quote, it'll be better. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, it's a profound thought, isn't it? Like of like, can I dumb this down? enough that like at the very base of its essence it kind of makes some level of sense like yeah. and the answer is generally speaking for a lot of stuff i believe ah no i'm not that good at this i'm, I'm not at all good at this and it makes it, it literally makes me sit and pause and go am i doing the right thing in life you know what I, mean? I feel like i feel like this is the segue to our beginning i feel like this is where the conversation any conversation about deconstruction like or about like trying to live with God or understand God. I think it starts with that. You're like, do I actually know what I think I know? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. but that's fascinating, right? So, because when I last kind of saw you, I was trying to think if we've Skyped since we left. I think we did Skype once. I think once. we did Skype once. I think we have so, Skype once. But from my memory, which shouldn't be trusted, um, <laughs> I remember you're wearing a green top, right? No. Um, yeah. But from my memory, <laughs> at that point the last time i've talked to you you were um fairly at least how you presented yourself to me um conventional in your beliefs uh, within oh, yeah. christianity on the whole and so yeah she's yeah. hit the fan since then apparently you know right? so, yeah, no, yeah it's been a long 10 years phil so yeah we i can reminded i should have it i should be uh, better at staying in touch with my friends <laughs> 10 years Oof. oh that's that's not that's not what I, that's not no, what I, I know i know but it's funny. Um, what no happened? uh you, like no i can remember because uh for background you and i were housemates mm -hmm. um yeah uh, like i can remember arguing with you about how uh we really like we really do need guns everybody does yes um, because if you don't have them then uh, people can uh, kill you yeah. and this is a rational fear that everyone should have to the extent that we all carry guns all the time sure and, and um, in context i mean i'm some european hippie right because everyone in europe is like crazy left wing to uh the general populace of america yeah. you know yeah. our right wing is kind of a little bit 
weirdly left for <laughs> and, and so like you know so i come over and i'm like oh yeah well we had like one mass shooting and we were immediately like well should we just get rid of guns and everyone was like yeah let's do it done and we did and people were like oh yeah i've got gun yeah i was gonna rob a bank later with this but i guess i can take a knife here we, that we shouldn't kill kids right. with these things or, you know it was, right. it was such a radical shift i know some countries have done that and other countries have and i know it's super yeah. complex because we were like a little island and whatever you know like there's loads of complex. but i came into america um and certainly in the in the part of the world we were in the movement of christianity we were the vast majority would hold a more um right conservative leaning a lot of these words i, I struggle with because i can be very right-wing i can be very sure. conservative so i'm not sure. saying that as a negative thing but it's just that was the kind of culture which in America often coincides with, well, we have a right to own guns. We have a, and, and, and so you were kind of trying to explain this world to me, which I was like, but even our right wing is like, well, we shouldn't have guns. Like we're like, not we're like, like, not like cops don't even have, have, have guns. You can have, like, a, you can have a gun. You may not nation. have all of the guns <laughs> and as much ammunition as you would like. And also like, you know, like anti-tank weapons. Like you should not, but but what about deer hunting? <laughs> if, I, if I can't hunt, if I can't hunt a deer with an anti-tank rifle, uh, I'm not free. If the um, if the deer meat doesn't come in bits pre-cooked, I mean, did you really shoot it? <laughs> no, it's a good. Um, so uh, my I, I really a, a, a good companion for me on this process has been Walter Brueggemann. I, I okay, uh, and. Uh, Walter Brueggemann, I've listened to a lot of interviews with him and read some of his books, and he uh, he was asked in an interview about <clears throat> whether he identifies as left-wing or right-wing, or um, and he, he, I really, I really appreciate him because he, he's like, he talks about how describing yourself as a capitalist or a socialist is a non-starter mm. um, in most bridge conversations because, um, we already know what that means to us. So you can't, uh, uh, I know we're gonna talk about cognitive dissonance here, but like he, he like really focuses his language on talking about like what's good for the neighborhood. Mm. Like, what, like what builds the security of a neighborhood? What, what diffuses anxiety, you know, cause he's, he's, he, he like, uh, in his book journey to the common good, he talks about, he uses Egypt and Exodus from Egypt as this picture of what it means to, uh, move out of the empire of anxiety and domination and violence and into a community of vulnerability and dependency on grace mm. um and uh it's it's so it's so good it's a really short little book it's so so good and um so when and like starting with something like as simple as like the gun debate right mm. because for most people it's a non-starter you know it's like do you believe in do you like believe in gun control or do you believe in no gun control right you can't have a moderate it, position on this it's like you're either on one extreme or the other, which I guess me and you probably were in that moment, Absolutely. me coming from the UK, Absolutely. not really understanding. I, when I left America four years <laughs> later, I was pretty pro gun ownership. 
I really was. I, I, I right. held that position pretty well. And I would go back and I'd be like, listen, guys, you don't understand. It's a bit more complex than that. But I was probably fairly moderate, which is probably fairly rare. Because um, sure. I was also like, you know, but sure. obviously, duh, we don't like let everyone have 23 of them, you know, that kind of, um, or, <laughs> you or whatever. You that can shoot 20 bullets like in like two seconds. You don't need that gun. So, so I, I, I would probably have held something, but but that initial thing for us pictured that that dynamic, which does seem very obvious in society today is that generally speaking to voice an opinion immediately gets labeled one of the two extremes, mm -hmm. which tends to silence the moderates because they don't want to be labeled as one of the two extremes. So they mm -hmm. take a step back and go, I don't want to be a headline. And then what happens is everyone else goes, I want to be a headline. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. so you have extremists yeah. on both ends of the side making outrageous claims, lots of truth to both of those components, um, but probably both relatively unrealistic, unhealthy, whatever um, impractical whatever different language we have yeah, yeah um so was that was that a was that a big part of your deconstruction contextualizing violence or or political components was, was that a big part of what caused you to shift or which was your initial deconstruction more theological was it relational what what caused you yeah. to go from where you were um which i'm fascinated by this right so for the for the sake of our audience like I, I don't think many people outside of Europe will understand just how shocking you were to me in a sense. <laughs> okay. I, okay. I came so, from Europe and yeah. like, how many siblings do you have? 10? Okay. Right. You're one of yeah. 11, right? I'm one of 11, that's right. 11, and I'm like, I, the biggest family, biggest family I've ever met in the UK is my wife's. So, I mean, it took me like yes. 10 years later to meet a big family. Yes. And it's seven. And they are insanely big. People are like, what is happening? <laughs> Who would do this, right? Um, oh, that's so great. That's so great. Yeah. yeah. And, and seven's big. Seven's big. It's not so like... You, you were a huge... Yeah, but you were a huge family. I remember you telling me, like, your parents had, like, two vans to get you around or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, or, yeah. you know, yeah. um, you were homeschooled, which, again, in the UK, we do homeschooling about, you know, 0.001%, uh, you know? But it's, it's rare. It's really rare. So, again, I was like, huh. So, um, but, so, but you were yeah. really smart. You were really, uh, you were really uh, good at connecting. You were no, really charismatic, no. which was bucking off my stereotypes because my own exposure to a homeschooled, big family, Christian family was like TV, where it was like they were uneducated. They were running around going, oh, you know, like they, they couldn't communicate with uh -oh. people because, which uh -oh. is, and I'm sure there's, there's people that fall into that bracket, but it's probably a very unfair stereotype on the whole. It is, it is, um, and, and so I, I, you were an enigma to me. I loved chatting with you and, and hearing your yeah. stories. Um, so kind of, can you paint a beginning for us before absolutely. we even talking about that transition? Right. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm the fourth of 11 kids. Um, my dad was a mechanical engineer, uh, and, uh, yeah, they didn't mean to have a big family. They just kind of, they like, they literally got to me as the story goes. And they were like, I guess we'll keep doing this. And, uh, and uh, they got, yeah, they were big in the homeschooling movement. And uh, well, they were probably a large percentage of the homeschooling movement. In area. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, when we were a big family in our homeschooling movement, but like, it's, that's all kind of uh, a piece, like all together. Um, yeah, lots, lots of big families in the homeschooling area where I was from. Um, but yeah, like, so my, my upbringing was an odd hodgepodge of things you would consider kind of 
classically conservative positions. Like we were very, we were very, very conservative about like dating and relationships, you know. Um, like I like I grew up watching my older siblings watching VHSs of Joshua Harris doing the I Kiss Dating Goodbye series. Like, um, like we were like my dad, my dad was a moderator on like a message board about like um purity culture. We had purity rings, like. So on the one hand, like you're like, check, 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 check. And then, but then like my dad is like this massive, like anti-state, um, you know, like, like question the police, videotape the police, like guy, like way before it was cool. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I like, you know, like most people, are, most people like grow up like Abraham Lincoln was like the best American president. And I grew up and I was like, did you know that Abraham Lincoln jailed journalists? Like that he like hated bad press. Like, like that's how anti-state like my dad is. That's amazing. Like, yeah. Like, and uh, you know, not like a fan of the Confederacy, but just like, you know, that like Lincoln abused his executive power like all the time. Yeah. And watch all these guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, we were like, my dad was like, strongly against like the war in Afghanistan and the Iraq war after 9-11, which was a really unpopular opinion. Crazy in, opinion in early on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it was unpopular across the nation. It was really unpopular, like in the heartland. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, but like, and I was like, you know, I was like right there with my dad, you know, like I'm like a 16 year old, like, like, uh, you know, like, uh, internet arguing like i'm like yeah like this is imperialism and da 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 so god so it was like a weird uh weird amalgamation of all that and you throw into the mix that like um my dad was a big uh pretty 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 reformed pretty uh like god is sovereign like god mm. is sovereign god's in control uh and uh so i so like the Christianity that I grew up with, I feel like was, um, it was, God was, God was present, but God was also very, um, God was the right answer to everything. Like I can remember arguing with my siblings and I'd be like, somebody would be like, do you know that there's nothing faster than the speed of light? And it'd be like, yeah, God is. And it was like, be like, nice. I know that. Like, but like, that was like, you're like, <laughs> nailed it. Like that's, yeah. That's, I'm definitely the better Christian today. Um, because like, and like it, that definitely seemed like the point of pushing into Christianity it was like, I need to have the answers. Like I need mm. to have, I need to have the right answers. Um, because everyone is super impressed when you have the right answers. Right. And having the right answers can, uh, maybe it can help you make the right decisions or especially for me, like, uh, it was a big revelation when I got older that I like have dealt with like chronic anxiety, like all my life. But like looking back as a kid, I'm like, Oh my God, like I was just like, just racked the whole just time. an anxious little kid who was like telling jokes constantly to just, like, <laughs> just cover the fact that I like can't breathe. But if I'm laughing, no one can tell me included. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, like, you know, like, uh, you know, wake up from a nightmare or like just walking down a dark hallway anywhere is like having the right answer that like, God's going to take care of me. God's going to take mm. care of me. God's going to take care of me. Like that was, that was the 
way to like try to tamp down the lid of like this ever-present anxiety right. um you know or like you know fear of the monster under the bed and uh that all got a little bit uh messed up whenever i made met some like uh, very like people in the charismatic movement as i was in my later teens and then i was like this is what's up no this right. this is the answer i man like i thought you know the other thing i thought i thought you know uh, my dad wasn't like a hardcore five-point Calvinist, um, but like, yeah, I went from everything is settled. There are answers to everything about how God works in the world. You know, it's very mm. settled and concrete to like, God's crazy. God's like the wind. The spirit blows where it wills and you don't even know. Um, and, uh, and I was like, this is so much more exciting which is what did that do for your anxiety? Um, I mean, honestly, like, so like I, my, I think, I think it's not unfair to characterize my life as a seesaw between like ecstasy and anxiety. Um, yeah. for like, I, uh, I know everyone's probably Enneagrammed out by this point, but like I'm an Enneagram seven. Okay. Um, so yeah. So like, uh, for people who don't know that, like, that means that like, you know, I, I am motivated by the need to avoid pain. And I do that by just like chasing pleasure. Like, like, uh, like I am the stereotype, like I have the DNA to be a stereotypical hedonist. So like, mm. it either like God could like fall on you and you could experience yeah. the tangible physical presence of God and, you know, having some really like intense, strange experiences, you know, feeling electricity in my body, feeling like heat on my face and just like crying and not knowing what was happening and feeling, uh, feeling like God was showing up in my life in a really personal way. Mm. Um, and that really, uh, and I actually like the way that happened, I had like a week of really intense experiences like that. And then it stopped. Mm. And then I went through like two of my, the darkest years of my life uh, at that point. Cause I was just like, it stopped because I messed up or something. Right. I must've done something wrong. Now God's gone because that was God. And now that I'm not experiencing that anymore, God's hmm. gone. And uh, ended up, uh, had an older brother that was involved with uh, Kansas City IHOP and okay. uh, that movement. And uh, he came back and introduced me, to, introduced me to Bill Johnson and Bethel. I started listening to the podcast. And that was how I made up my mind to go to Bethel. Um, right. And uh, I really thought that Bethel was going to be like everything. Like I thought that like everything that like I really needed to get together, like to figure out about God, to figure out about how to um, – be a Christian and become the person who I like needed to be. I really felt like I was going to put that together um, while I was at Bethel and it didn't quite go. That way. It didn't quite go that way. Um, what was your experience there? Like, cause it, to me, it, it fascinates me that, I mean, I almost want to go back as well. Like, cause you know, you had this incredible week of experiencing um, this totally radically different in, way of engaging and connecting with God. Mm -hmm. um and then that kind of dries up and then you right. go to Bethel right. um and that's like what they are about right, right. I mean, like, and, and you know me like I was at Bethel and I was basically a stone 
for like yes. four years yes. there. Like, yes. I was like, uh -huh. yep, yes. that's great that you're all experiencing this. I'm sure it's wonderful for you. But right. I like, like my favorite, my favorite Bethel moment was when you went with everybody to the uh, Benny. Uh, I was talking about this the other day. You were, yeah, like, yeah, you went, you went to the uh, uh, Benny Hen. Yes. Uh, and uh, and they they found out there were Bethel students there, and they brought you all up on stage. And I was watching mm -hmm. the video from home. I didn't go to the conference. Yeah. I was There's the a YouTube of this. People, I'll I'll right. include the YouTube in the show notes. Okay, and and like. Benny and praise for literally everyone. And like the whole class of Bethel goes down except for Phil Drysdale standing there just like open, his hands are open. And and it just like, and they eventually just like lead you off stage. They're like, okay, okay. Dude, no, 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 I don't get let off the stage. So there, this is, this is, so the video is weirdly cut on YouTube. And it oh my completely God, misses right. out. So he, he like, he like waves his hand and like, there's like a line of like, 15 of us and they all go down and I'm standing there and I'm like, all right, Benny, what's up? But he, uh, he like kind of waves and just turns away, you know, like he's, he's right, now moved yeah. on to his next thing. Everyone's right. going to follow. I'm Benny Hinn. He waves, everyone falls. He turns around and he starts preaching and he's going and he's going for like a minute or two before he turns around and sees me. And I'm literally just standing there behind him. Like I feel awkward. And he, uh, <laughs> and he turns around and he sees me. And there's this moment where he looks at me and I'm just like, Oh shit. Like it, the look in his eyes, uh, I'm not saying anything about Benny. It was just like, I, I had this moment of like, oh, he's coming back for round two. He, he's um, coming. And, coming right and he came, <laughs> he, he, he rocked up and there was contact. There was contact on my face. Um, and, and I went down, not because um, I was under any divine experience, but because I didn't want a round three. Uh, like it was like whoa that happened i'm going down um next time he's going to use his jacket and just like like do the whip thing until you're like ah 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 and like over yeah. so there is when you see the video clips you can see it he waves and everyone goes down and i'm standing there and then he preaches a bit and then it cuts and it and it goes back to all the people on the floor and i'm on the floor inexplicably like i was standing behind him before and now i'm on the floor and they like i don't know why they cut that i don't know if it's just a weird i don't know um but it was it you was funny do you not know why they did that? Can you not guess? I, I could I could hypothesize. I, I'll choose not to. Fair enough. Um, Fair that video also, um, for people listening, you know Samuel very well. Um, yes. But that, that video, um, people who listen to podcasts regularly will have Samuel on a couple of times, and he's going to be on again soon. There's a moment in that video. He he didn't get on the stage. He was in the, the audience right at the front. <laughs> And there's a minute, there's a bit where there's like a stage camera, the camera's on the stage and it's pointed out over like all these people that are um, worshiping. And there's right. a moment where Samuel Verby just appears like, from the uh, stage. Yes. <laughs> just, and it Jam is the greatest, right greatest moment <laughs> ever. I love it. Every time I, because I always go back and watch that occasionally. After I tell a story, I'm like, I've got to go and I show people the clip. Yeah. And every time right. I forget that Samuel Verby does that. And every right. time I'm like crying with laughter because <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but really, so like, so, you know, I really, 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 really wanted that experience when I mm. rolled into Bethel. And the truth is that I, I did not have, um, I don't think I had a single moment when I was at Bethel where something happened that um, I wasn't in charge of, you know, right. like, and that was a, uh, and I wanted it so, and you know, I was listening to your uh, interview with Jordan here recently, and it was, mm. it was great. It was, I really enjoyed that. And that, you know, the major theme of like, um, live, like, like, like live into it, you know, like believe it, 
and live into it and let it show up in your life. And I'm like, that is literally how I made it to here today. Like, mm. like, like, I like, um, like <laughs> my, uh, there, so, you know, one of 11 kids and I'm the fourth of 11 kids. And so I, I got to be, you know, a baby, a middle and an oldest as like older kids moved out. And sure. my, my dad's dad moved in with us when I was like 13 and he was, uh, he was pretty disabled really quickly. And we like were his primary caretakers, uh, like all through my teenage years, you know, he couldn't stand on his own. He couldn't go to the restroom on his own. Um, and, um, both of my parents are like, like, they're like really like, they're very chill. They're very relaxed. And there was just like a ton of need in our house growing up. You know, you think about how you get around a kid and you know, like, kids just like, they need your attention. They, they like, they crave, like when I get home from work, um, Eve has 30 things to show me every day. And she's making up 15 of them while she's showing me the other 15, you know, it's just like dad watch and she'll, you know, do like, just stand on a leg and like spread her arms. And I'm just like, that's amazing. Have you been practicing that today? She's like, no, I just did it. I'm like, wow. So great. You know, and that's just like, that's what like, it's, you know, it's just, you know, you kids live to be seen, like, mm. and, they, and like to be seen and that you see a child, you see a kid and the way you look at them is becomes the internalized way they're looking at themselves. Right. And, you know, uh, and the thing like, so, you know, there were just a lot of kids to divide the eyes among in sure, my house. hard to be seen when there's like, it's like a where's Wally, right? Or where we're right. in the UK. Yes. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, like the main, like, so in this, like cons, so my parent, my family is like the best at parties to come by my house growing up. Like if somebody's coming over, we had a party and mm. we partied. And then the first time that I brought my wife home, um, we, when we were in, like, when we were dating and she came to my house, um, and there was a party and. Uh, this is no. This is when this was after we got married because this is after we got married. After we got married, I uh, brought her brought her home for a weekend, and there was a party the first night, and the party was over, and like everyone went, like everyone just like slips to their corners and like slips to their like just like trying to find a little bit of space and yeah to, um, uh, and so that that experience that that moment between like you're either you're either partying and doing everything you can to be seen or no one's going to see me mm. uh, and you have to like and you you know withdraw or find some other way to take care of yourself um <clears throat> that uh I actually lost my train of thought just there. <laughs> I'm intrigued by that because that's a fascinating component. How did that play out at Bethel? Because like we got to Bethel, it was a fairly um, reasonable size class compared to how big it has gotten. Uh-huh. But it was still, you're in a room with, I think our year had 700 people. Right, and right. I would say right. about 80% of them were like, hi, I've yeah. arrived, look at me. And right. there were some right. more quiet personalities. But like, I mean, if if... 
you'd grown up with this kind of need to be seen, this desire to be seen, maybe even starved of that at times, maybe not, certainly not intentionally or anything, but just by the makeup of a family. There's plenty of pros to having a big family and there's plenty of cons, and that's maybe just one of right. them. Right, of um, course. But you go into an environment where you're trying to develop, grow, you've got a lot of expectation on the people that are there, leaders, these kind of quote unquote mom and dad figures spiritually. Um, right. And you're going, okay, I need to, was that a part of you to be like, oh, I need to be seen? Yeah. And then yeah. how does that play out when you've got, you know, 700 other people, maybe like 500 of them are also doing Oh, well, like that's like on that. Yeah, that's, thank you. Yeah, the, like my anxiety came out of Bethel in a way that I was totally unprepared for. And I didn't really know, cause like I was, I was a big fish in my circle, like in my home, mm. like in my home school circle. Like I had friends, like I was, I was one of the really outgoing people. I was, you know, I was well known and pretty well liked. And then like went to Bethel and it's like, uh, Richard Rohr, you know, he, he, he described like he's, if you, Richard Rohr's Enneagram book is great. And he describes charismatic culture as like Enneagram seven culture. Okay. Like this is like, like any, like they, like they want to party. They want the yeah. good news. They want like, they, like, did something bad happen? Well, let me explain how it actually is kind of a good thing. Yeah. And we'll throw it away now and keep pushing really on for the good thing that's coming next, yeah. which we can see coming down the pipe and we believe for it and we live into it. And like, I mean, like, yeah, Bethel was like crack for me on like, mm. like, it, like, it was just like, yes, this is literally how I have ordered my universe. Like, um, and um, you know, like I like there, and honestly, that was the most edifying thing that I got from Bethel, like from teaching that I listened to them and my experience there, the hopeful anticipation that God was going to do a good thing mm. and that God was still doing good things. Like it wasn't over. It's not like yeah. settled and done and we're just riding this train till the apocalypse happens. Um, that was like great news for me. And I was, yeah. it really gave me energy and life and direction. Um, but I love this, the like, um, and tell me, like, do you, I'm sorry, I keep from everything in the Enneagram. Do you Enneagram, Phil? Have you Enneagram? Dude, I have tried like five or six times to get into it. And every time I'm just like, dude, this is doing nothing for me. And I really, I had like an expert. I, I, I met up with this guy who was like an expert when I was in Florida doing some right. ministry stuff. And like, he is like, really good at what it's all about he's like a neuroscientist like i mean he's like he's oh, a really awesome. smart guy and he's like got different frameworks of how it works and he understands it from like a kind of like a neurological kind of perspective or however the heck that works i don't know um he's explaining to me he's like oh you're this and that means this and this and he's like that must be really exciting for you to like understand yourself and i'm like <laughs> but um, i was just told the other what day is the second guess what did you think what did you think <laughs> yeah, i was like and what other options are there <laughs> keep going um no I, I think he was right as well but i was just like eh, whatever i just don't really care I, I don't know if i was like personality profiled out i'd done the kind of Mars briggs the disc the whatever and i know it's extremely different from those models as well but I was just kind of like, okay, I'm done. It's kind that. of, so it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, an, it's like an, a side point. In the Enneagram, you have integration and disintegration things, you, things you move towards in growth, things you move towards in stress. Mm. So Enneagram, like Richard Rohr, who I, I think we all know and love pretty yeah. well, our favorite Franciscan, like, you know, he describes charismatic culture as being very seven, this like, go, go, party, party, party. 
What sevens have to do to grow is move towards um, the style five, which is the thinking person. They are circumspect. They take in the full perspective. They're mm. not inclined to be carried away from their, by their emotions. In fact, they have a really hard time experiencing their emotions very often. Wow. Bill Johnson is a five. Like Bill Johnson is a hardcore five. Mm. And, you know, like, you know, when he would talk about, you know, you like, no, like, you know, whether you get wrought by the spirit of God or whether you, you know, um, like stand there like an oak and don't move. Like you just stay there and experience God. And like Bill's like got this super grounded, yeah. not ruffled, like not like <laughs> kind of yeah. thing. And like the charismatic movement, which is like has this aura of sevenness is like, I want to, I want to move towards that guy. Yeah. I want to move in that grounds game. me as well. Right. right. Yes. Me some yes. And foundation. Super duper. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. And uh, I've thought awesome. about, I've, I've thought about this a lot and um, yeah, I bet. and well, and you take, and <laughs> I'm going to go just a little further down the Enneagram rabbit hole, just a little bit further. Do, do. But fives integrate, they grow towards eights. Eights are gut, take action, do it, claim it, be it, people. Right. And that's because fives are in their heads and they think and they're circumspect and they, you know, they're like, they, they like, the fives are going, the danger for a five is to overthink something and not do it. And they have to just move into their gut and just do it. And you have this whole Bethel culture thing where it's like, you live into it and you do it and you do it by faith. And that is really what, and you and Jordan were talking about this. This is really what some people really need to do. Like it actually is their key to growth. Like as people yeah. it is going to move Get them stuck in. out of their heads and into action. But if you tell a bunch of sevens, if you talk about like how our class of 800, mm. like about 80% of us are like, ah! part like look at me i'm a party person i have all this energy like you know like you know like there's a lot like you tell all these people that like what they need to do is just go for it and live into it and it'll show up in their lives and they are not thoughtful circumspect mm. like inner life people um you're going to get a mixed bag of results. Yeah. And, uh, and speaking and for, for me, like, man, like I understand almost nothing about what happened to me that year that I was there. Um, you know, like I remember like I was waiting for, uh, I, I, I signed up for the uh, missions trip to Mozambique because I okay. thought that yep. was super cool. I really wanted to go. I had no money. I remember this. And I, I really didn't know who I was going to talk to about getting money because that was like, I, I, yeah, like that was like not the culture of the people, like the group that I'm from. Like, so like mm -hmm. it felt really awkward. And I went to a, I went to a prayer group uh, about raising money, like for, to go to Mozambique. And I just remember halfway through the group, like the sun is setting and like there's like yellow light cast on the walls. And I don't even, I don't know where I was. I don't know who I was with. And it was like, the walls are covered in gold. This gold is here for us to, you know, claim it and like mm. make this trip. 
And like, we all just got up and started like miming, scraping gold light off the walls. Right. Some prophetic actions. Yes, and, prophetic yeah, actions kind of stuff. and stuff. And, and like, that was, that was, you know, I can't remember what part of the year that was, but that was the first moment. And there've been a lot of moments in there, but that was the first moment that I was like, I don't think I know what I'm doing anymore. I really feel like I, like, you know, like, I, like, you know, we're laying on hands, like, we're doing, we're praying for the sick, we're doing all this stuff, like, I'm not, I personally, like, wasn't seeing it, I wasn't experiencing it, but, like, it, but, like, I was in, like, you walk in it, you look for it, you do it, and that was the first moment where I was, like, I don't know if I understand what's happening anymore, or why I'm doing this, and, uh, but like I, but like I took that thought and I pushed it down very, very, very deep. Yeah. And I was like, "Well, that doubt isn't going to get you your money from Mozambique, man." It is not. That's, it is that's... not. It is not going to help me live into what I to like live into like <laughs> this like trusting God to get to Mozambique. I did not go to Mozambique. On um, <laughs> even though you scraped the gold off the wall. Even though I did. And but here's the thing. I asked in your class, I asked um, half of them, all the ones that went to Mozambique, why they went. And they all said, because I scraped gold off the wall. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Dang, oh, I knew funny. it. I knew I wasn't I trusting. Should, I should have asked you as well. Maybe my data would have been yeah. a bit more well-rounded. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, that, um, I, I actually, the funny thing is, I ended up, going to LA on a big group trip to LA like it was like the trip for everyone who couldn't afford to do the other trips yeah. it was like $40 and we all slept on uh air mattresses that didn't hold air in a gymnasium it was Perfect. it was it was amazing um and uh beyond like the most happy part of that trip was that we ended up going to a part of LA where there were a lot of clubs and this is this is late in one of the evenings on our trip and we ended up going to a part of LA where there were a lot of clubs and um a lot of prostitution and um I had never ever ever seen anything like it before right and not I not in your even, homeschooling not in my home nothing about nothing about like my study of ancient Greece prepared me for uh prostitutes in LA yeah yeah no it's much tidier in Greek myth prostitution um yeah. much more yeah. integrated really <laughs> <laughs> and uh we went as this big group and of course like there were like 10 guys and like 40 girls and like we're being led by this like group of like three people from the center and the guy from the center he's like hey look at me hey like you got to keep an eye on the girls in your group because this is not a safe area of town and then like boom he was gone he was like talking to some homeless guy who's trying to get him to come to the center and I'm just like walking down the street, the only guy in a group of like seven like like women. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is terrifying. And um, you're like 18 as well, right? I mean, uh, like yeah, I, yeah, high I'm, school. I was 20. Maybe, I was 20. Oh, yeah. 20, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, but I might, yeah, but I you're might like, you're 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 not braced for this or prepared no, for this. No, I moved really. from living at home to moving in with you. In, which in is a scary prospect for most people yeah but. no no <laughs> i was like this guy doesn't think i should own a gun uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'd be useless in la <laughs> <laughs> um and uh no and and like i was just uh there you know like there were sex workers coming in and out of like 
of pornography shops and there were like there were like people screaming at each other on the other side of the street and like um the like the objective was to hand out roses to the sex workers that was like part of the mission there and it was like all i could think all i could experience was i was like i don't have a clue what it's like to be these people many of them yeah. many of them were tra- many of them were trans um women of color like um like and i'm just like i don't have the first idea about what's going on here or who like what they need or what it's like what any of this is like but i'm here to uh give them the love of god Mm. but i don't have an but i don't have any idea what that would mean for them and like I, i watched like some people in our group try to give flowers to them and it might be it's easily in the top three most awkward things i've ever witnessed wow. in like truly painful like truly like someone who like someone like from a life that like nobody in this group has any idea about and we're like here's a flower and like that moment of exchange where it's like there is nothing in common here and there's nothing to be shared like one of them kind of took it and the other one was just like no and just walked away like not happy mm. both of those moments were really that would like came back to me a lot after I left Bethel. Um, Even though I like really tried to keep them down. Um, And like, cause when I, then I like, I moved back from Bethel and um, I'd been dating long distance, um, Amarlin, who we've been married for 10 years now. Like, um, and uh, and I moved down to New Albany where we live now and start start going to their home church and like doing a small group with them. And once again, I'm like, I felt like I was like a big fish, right? Cause I just came back from ministry school and like everyone's like, Oh, you're right. back from ministry school. So I'm like, let me tell you everything that you didn't know about, because now I'm back and like, guess what? Being a Christian is about having answers. Mm-hmm. So here's everything you never thought to ask about how uh, healing works. I've not done it, but um, this is how it works. And this is how you pray in tongues. And this is how you do. And like, so, Mm. um, it was, a. am you know, yeah, looking back on it, I'm kind of, I'm kind of not kind of, I'm really embarrassed about the attitude I had. I really felt like I had a, I told myself that I had a real grasp on the things of God that like nobody else around me really had. Mm. And, uh, uh, and Avril and I, uh, we, like, we'd been married for about a year, I think. And uh, Averlyn started to go through deconstruction. Wow. Yeah, because uh, Averlyn is, like, for Enneagram types again, Averlyn is a five. Okay. So she and, sits uh, in her head a lot. So she, sits, she sits in her head, and what she wants more than anything else is to really see things for what they are. Mm. Like, that like she really wants to see things for what they are and i'm like that sounds like it could really hurt so yeah. i really think we shouldn't do that that's like, sound like moving fact, towards pleasure <laughs> right right exactly and it's like in fact yeah like what if i juggle so you don't even like think about that you just watch mm. me juggle like yeah. um like or like yeah so and uh you know 
I, but I mean, I was going to, like, I was like, then she, like, this is her description of it to me as well. She's like, you know, I was, I was really there, like listening to her, talking her through it. Um, like, you know, like as she described, you know, like, um, you know, the questions she was having and like, and, but like the inside voice is like screaming. I'm like, mm. you can't, you can't like wonder if God cares because that's definitely the wrong answer. Like, et, like you, we learned this when we were five, God cares. So yeah. you can't and be like any other answer to that question is bloody terrifying. Right? They're really any other bad. Yeah. Like, it's just not a good, good right. thing. Like, to you, like, listen, I literally fought my childhood nightmares by assuring myself God cared. Right. So right. like, you can't, you can't be like, you can be like, I feel like God's not around. Like, mm. like, you know, because, you know, Aberlin has, like, lived through things. Aberlin has seen people she really cares about live through really serious, heavy things. Like, and, and you know, uh, anyway, it was just, like, it's, like, it's honestly, in retrospect, it's perhaps the most honest, basic question that everyone who lives at all must ask about God. If they really sure. believe in God, like, you ask that at some point. Yeah. Like. Um, and maybe like, and whatever answer you come up with, like you ask that point, if you're being honest, you ask that question, if you're being honest. Um, and there came this moment where I was like trying to like gently, like be like, Oh, I'm listening to you, but I'm also going to like massage this into explaining why that's not the case, why God really does care and why you probably shouldn't be asking these questions. And everyone was like, you know, I don't think you believe in God more than I do. And I was like, that like me rug, <laughs> like just oh, I'm like, I am like, what do you mean? She's like, I've never seen you pray. Um, she's like, she's like, I don't, I don't see you like reading your Bible. Um, so naturally, I then kick into like high mode. I'm like, you know, next day I'm like in the living room reading my Bible. <laughs> Oh, like, yeah, I've done 12 yeah. chapters before oh, I woke up this morning. Yeah, yeah, I was exactly. asked about three hours in prayer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, it real no, it really started to send me on this spiral um, where I'm, like, because I didn't, I hadn't accepted that the version of believing in God that I had was the best way to believe in God is to have all the right answers about God so that when things arise internally or when things come in from the outside, you can have an answer for that. Sure. And in the meantime, like charismatic style, have this ultra sensory, like pleasure heavy experience of the tangible presence of God. And that's really the best life you could have. Yeah. Um, which is really just what like, like which I feel like is really just like a sevens idea of God, like yeah. distilled down. Um, and uh, that, that moment where she was like, I don't think you believe in God any more than I do. Uh, yeah, that was, I think that was, that was the moment where my, I think my deconstruction actually consciously began because mm-hmm. then I actually started to look at uh, the fact that, be honest because i i'd uh i polished up and brushed up some of my experiences about bethel and i would tell people about them you yep. know i would I, the I fish would, was this big you know like, right yeah yeah i would share the testimonies of people that i had heard from 
at Bethel as the like 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 I'm like yeah we I, then like, prayed we and... yes yes <laughs> we then prayed um you know like um and because like what could be more terrifying than to like go through all of that and come back like no more certain than you were going into it sure um, and uh at that moment uh i happened to see a dear friend of mine uh he was starting his own website and he was publishing these articles about grace and it was crazy radical stuff that i had never seen before his name is phil and uh and no g genuinely um there you you had started a you had started your podcast around that time okay yeah like the early early version of it the, yeah well i actually just took all those offline because i have this theory of like everyone is somewhere and anything is helpful for where people are at you know so if someone comes across my old stuff that's where they are and that's what they need right. it'll help them move in the direction and that's fine sure. um but it got to the point I was looking through the podcast and I was like, there is some horrifically toxic stuff in here. And so I was like, no, I'm just, I'm done. Oh my God. Oh my down. God. Um, so yes. yeah. Yeah. And I probably yeah. need to do that with my blogs as well, because I, I, I have people had someone message me like about a week ago and they were like, Phil, I can't believe that you said this. Like, this doesn't make any sense knowing you. And I was like, dude, look at the date on that. And it was like <laughs> 2009 or something. And I was like, can you imagine that I was a different person 11 years ago? <laughs> yeah, really. hard agree, actually. Hard agree on that, like, can't believe I said that at that time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry. So you started no, looking that, at some well, of my like, stuff. and Well, well I, started reading some, I started reading some of your stuff. And, um, and I actually reached out to you and I was like, hey, like, you have more resources. And you directed me to the uh, Four Views of the Atonement book that uh, okay. Greg Boyd authored an essay in. And so then, you know, then I'm like watching Brian Zahn debate, um, you know, a doctor, what's his face from IHOP about monster God debate, like, right. Uh, oh, the, uh, Michael Brown. Yeah. Michael Brown, Michael Brown, Dr. Michael Brown. Um, you know, and so, uh, then I'm like starting to trade out my charismatic ideas, not, not trade them out, but like, now I'm like, ah, oh, right answers. My problem mm. is that. I didn't have the right idea about the atonement because this is radical. This right. is good stuff. Um, and uh, this brings us like, honestly, like real, like what I, I've been learning a little bit about cognitive dissonance, you know, um, which I thought cognitive dissonance was just, you know, um, that not everything in my brain agrees with each other. And then I've got fuzz. You know, I got like static between ideas. Mm. Uh, but I was listening to an interview the other day um, with uh, Carol Tavris. She's the author of like mistake. She's a co-author of like mistakes were made, but not by me, which is a book about cognitive dissonance. And uh, the idea, like the 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 idea being that like cognitive dissonance is something that we have subconsciously that. Uh, where we realize our beliefs do not align with our lives anymore, and we have to do something quickly to that's a that that yeah, that is a discomfort on par with extreme thirst or hunger. It's not something you can ignore, and then you have to make a choice. You have to do something with that, and it is the possibly one of the hardest things that someone can do to change their what they believe to suddenly match up with 
this new evidence that says, hey, this isn't working, or this isn't right, or this isn't making sense anymore, and actually would tend to make someone double down on yeah. what they already think. And, and so what I assumed was that I just needed to get the right answers. And by the time that I got them, like, then, like, I would have peace and, I, like, yeah. you know, like, I could, like, you know, be who I need to be for Aberlin. Because, like, obviously, Aberlin just needs the right answers because that's what I need. Um, retrospectively, looking back, was that what she was communicating, that she was just seeking the right kind of black no. and white? But that's no. what, that's still what you kind of heard because that's right, what else paradigm. No, well, right, no, exactly. It's like, Aberlin's like, actually, I'm good. I think I'm, she's like, I think I've never been this good before. Just like right. kind of letting go, mm. like, like, like letting go. It's like, and I'm like, uh, but what if letting go is the wrong answer? Mm. <laughs> um, Was there no paradigm for you to potentially um, see her answers as the right answers? Like there was no opportunity for you to go, oh, okay. Yeah. What if she has the right answer though? And what if I just hear her out and go, well, that's that's potential. No, or you no. just weren't, yeah. No, because I thought that what I, I thought that um, what was really important to me was uh, having like being being rightly related to God. Like that was right. definitely like because that was like consciously to myself from super super early on. Like that's the goal. Like you want to be in right relationship with God. Because sure. that could go really badly for you if you're not. Like, it could mm -hmm. be real bad. Um, and, uh, but, if, but as late as uh, 2019, uh, okay. I was coming to terms with the fact, like, what I was really important to me was not being rightly related to God, but was just being, like, being my, my own perception of myself as a good person mm. right and to be a good person the only way that was going to happen um was if i had uh was if i was perceived that way by the people in my life and the way to be perceived that way is by having the right answers mm. right um and so i think clung on hard right because this hard. is now we're looking at like what about eight years yeah and and like and this is like and like this was like the this is like the probably the foundational like identity crisis um because so i thought because like i thought that i was having a crisis of faith um but i was having a crisis of identity yeah. you know um because faith was the way to have security in my identity mm. you know like and so you couldn't question really fundamental things about God unless you were merely changing the language, right? Yeah. Like you could go from God is settled and sovereign to God is the wind, like God is the spirit to like, it could be, it could be really malleable. So long as at the center of it, I am right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right. And I have answers. I think that's probably true for most people, really. I think at the end of the day, yes. all of this is just where do I fit in a narrative that gives me uh, like belonging, purpose, 
uh, feeling safe, secure, right. certain, all right. these different things. But generally speaking, the narrative we create is kind of immaterial in a sense. Now, I know that there's someone looking onto that statement and going, uh, hello, absolute truth, you know, you know, you're being very relativistic there. And I'm not, I, I'm not saying that there isn't absolute truth, but I'm just saying the way we come to our conclusions of what that is generally is what makes me feel comfortable. Right, um, right, exactly. Feel right. safe right now, and so I'm happy to move on if it keeps me feeling safe. If it's within right. that boundary, but to break the boundary suddenly, very quickly, it like you said, it rips the rug out from under, and I go, oh god, where am I standing? What do I do? Oh, actually, let, let's just put the rug back in because it's right. just way more comfortable. So uh, I mean, that, that's I had, I, mean, I had a really good I had, I had a really good buddy who who he he is he's he's uh, strong pretty strongly in the reformed camp. I love him I love him to death. And he, but he has this great, like, I, I think it's, he says, he says, you know, to be in the reform movement is to say, God is sovereign and we are so stressed. Because, <laughs> um, you know, like, it's the, I, 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 that idea about absolute truth, like, I totally, I, I mean, I, I could, I could confess the Apostles' Creed right now and agree with everything in it. Like, I, like, um, yeah, I think I could probably even confess the Nicene Creed with everything in it but um yeah like the issue is not and that this this was this is like the uh this the moment of disintegration it's like the issue is not that absolute truth exists the issue is that um i don't have it <laughs> uh <laughs> and um and my my rope my like Reflecting back at every moment where that broke through, that like absolute truth, sure, sure, I'm sure it exists, but I don't have it. Mm. That has always come through the medium of actually being present to another person mm. in their reality. Like, because it is so, so possible to feel in control and feel like I've got it together and I've got my answers in a line. And um, by the time this other person stops talking about what's happening in their life, I can begin to tell them about how things work and what to think about that. And if they do, for sure, it's going to help them because that's the, because you know the way to deal with the monsters in your dreams is to be like god cares about me god cares about me god cares about me god cares about me and then sooner or later like and then before you know it you're out of it man just like any good mantra it'll get you through mm -hmm. it until you can yeah. think about something else um and yeah uh <laughs> sorry i do that god cares about me thing and it actually like i mean like that yeah it actually will take me somewhere um so yeah like People's pursuit of absolute truth, I think, very much relates to um, our desire to be in control of what that is. Mm. And the further away from another person we can remove that, the less uh, the less it can be tampered with, the less it can be, less our conception of it can be challenged or moved. Mm. Um, take for example. <laughs> Uh, the, the first real fight that Averlyn and I had, uh, was about spiritual headship. Here's, okay. so here, here's a good one. Here's a, here's a good one, right? Like, uh, we were, uh, like it, it was not an issue in our relationship. Like it wasn't like, um, 
we had never talked about complementarianism or egalitarianism. We had never talked about, you know, submission of the wife, the headship of the husband. Like it wasn't really a thing and I didn't take it very seriously. Uh, we were just like on our back porch. We've probably been married for four years at this point. Wow. So yeah. Into her deconstruction then. Oh yeah. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, no. Yeah. She, she was like, she was like, she's like, she's like, she's like, I believe in God. I love Jesus. I don't really know what else to say about that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of all I got right now. (laughs) I'm kind of happy to nail that. Yeah. Um, And, uh, and so, yeah, we're like chatting on the back porch and I, of of course, I don't remember how it came up, but then I was like, well, you know, like, I don't feel like I have more authority than you, but I, but I, you know, of course, like, I'm the spiritual head of this family, which was just us at the time. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't even go, ah, it's not a And she just looked at me and she was like, why do you think that? Mm. And I'm like, I'm like, well, like, it's just something that God gives to men, to husbands. She's like, why would God do that? Mm. Like, because, and I'm about ready to say, like, of the way men bear the image of God. And it is just like, it's like in my throat and I stop. And I'm like looking her in the eyes and she's looking in my eyes and she can see that in my throat, mm. trapped below my eyes. And it just, and, and she's just like, I mean, it just hit her hard. She's like, yeah, I'm really surprised yeah. that you think that. I mean, that is like, when I say that was like our first serious fight, like that's actually, that was, and that was like, uh, and no, like, uh, I was devastated and like, she was, I mean, and she was devastated and I, and I, it was, the thing is like, I had never said it out loud. Yeah. I never thought about it out loud. And then I got to watch it hit my partner, like, Mm. like the person who, is at least my equal on every place you can put us uh, apart from the areas where she like outstrips me completely. <laughs> you're like, no, babe, like absolutely. You know, you are, you're an accomplished scholar. You're an accomplished artist. Like, you know, you've got, you've got awards and degrees and like you've managed your life well. And I oh, it's like, sure. I almost crashed our finances like twice since we've been married, but because I'm a guy, yeah. like I God put me in charge of our relationship. Um, and it's just like, why, like, like, yeah. And, uh, why do I assume that has to be the case? That's, I mean, Um, gosh, the, the whole concept of our implicit, um, uh, isms, there's so many, I mean, you could go into any one, but talking about sexism element, the patriarchy, this, that system of patriarchy, like, it's fascinating to me if you're going, oh, this wasn't an issue for me. And it's like, of course, it's not an issue for you. You're the one that gets <laughs> going on. That's like saying, you know, like, oh, uh, being money is not an issue for me. Well, of course, it's not an issue for you, Bill Gates. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, but, <laughs> you know, right. Uh, right exactly. and so, but exactly. it's this thing of like, suddenly having some form of mirror that, that there's enough of an empathy draw where you're looking at the person you love and go, oh, this thing I never think of because it doesn't affect me, but right. holy shit, it affects you. And that's making me feel a bit sick. And it kind of challenges that whole dynamic. Like um, I posted on Instagram today, uh, a thing I was, I was saying to, like, hey, non-cis males, if woman, anything else out there that is not 
a cis male right how is your deconstruction what how is how do you see what you've been on as your journey how do you see that differing from how most men probably are experiencing it or or that you perceive them experiencing in your life and the things i mean just reading through it it's just it's so painful um and the old me probably would have tried to explain away so much of that and i say old me probably not that long ago because it would have made me feel really uncomfortable and i'm not one of those guys i'm not one of the problem Uh i'm not and i'm sure like you know well i mean it was it was such a thing of you were so convinced that you weren't one of those people in a sense that even your wife was convinced on some level that you weren't one of those so it wasn't even that you were overtly um following through on some of those beliefs Right, but they're okay. still ingrained. You're still like ready to roll off those beliefs, and they gotta at some level, therefore, be playing into things. Um, right, it's well, really I, scary. That it scares me a lot because I'm I'm aware. Like, okay, so I work on this, but what else is in there? Right, I mean, how racist am I? How whatever else? Right, you pick an ism. The answer is it. more than we think. Always, <laughs> <laughs> and you can't beat yourself up for the things you don't sure. know. But sure. I think we should always be quite intentional about trying to explore that. And certainly when, when the mirror is held up, we go, oh, oh, okay. Now it's on me if I keep doing this. Right. You know, there is an element of you've got to start acting. Anyway, sorry, I don't want to interrupt. No, no, no. I, I'm fascinated really, no, by this I component. Completely, yeah, I can, because like, uh, you know, my close friends were guys. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, if, I mean, if you would like to find a culture that espouses a typical white male patriarchal system like come to the conservative homeschooling movement sir <laughs> like yeah. that is that is our thing yeah. we are good at it <laughs> not the uh, most diverse movement no no um and and uh yeah so like that that momentum that, like that I, that's one of like the first moment like i i think about that missions trip to la where like I actually saw like I think it was the first time that I saw trans people that I realized mm. that, like that I actually came face to face with them that I met sex workers and that I realized that like I cl- I am walking around thinking I have the answers mm-hmm. for these people and I have no clue like like to be face to face with that reality is to realize I don't have a clue and and then like to be like looking in the the eyes of like the woman like woman i love who i've lived with for like years now and just like let slip this like belief that uh you know uh, well yeah somehow god holds me more responsible than god holds you for our relationship and the direction that we're going in like and it wasn't it wasn't uh it wasn't too long after that, that, um, we had, uh, well, actually, I mean, it was, a, it was a few, it was a few years. Um, my, my daughter was born. Um, and, uh, this is, t- and then she was born in 2014 and the Obama years came to a close and 2016 rolled around. And about the time 2016 rolled around, I was, uh, I was, identifying as loosely Anabaptist at that time. I was, uh, I was, uh, I really like big into Greg Boyd, still love Greg Boyd, mm-hmm. like Satan, the problem of evil, still like really fun book, really, uh, uh, really challenging about, uh, 
the openness of the future, you know, like, uh, anyway, <clears throat> that's a rabbit trail all on its own. But like the Anabaptist thing really nicely fleshed up with the anti-statist thing that I really mm. had deep in my heart all along, like from my childhood up with my dad, like being yeah. anti-war and anti-state. And I'm like, and actually now that's the way Jesus would want me to be. Like Jesus doesn't want you to vote. Um, Jesus doesn't want you to run for office. Um, Jesus, you know, like that's like, um, I mean, I, I mean, like, I, I love the, I love the modern Anabaptist movement. I, um, and, uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was, it wasn't, evol- that wasn't evolution for me because I had gone from being just, uh, pretty well, not actually, actually, no, it was a natural evolution for like somebody who's like anti-state libertarian to Anabaptist where it's like, well, you just don't do that because Jesus doesn't want you to. And uh, 2016 happened in, in the United States. You know, this was the uh, monumental year where uh, mm-hmm. we ended up with uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump on our, on our ballot. Yeah. And um, uh, election day uh, came and went and I didn't vote. Um, okay. because, because I, uh, Anabaptist kind of principle. Or- right. Right. Yeah. The idea, the idea that like, you know, uh, the idea that like you choose a King, you're choosing somebody other than God. Right. And that's, that was the logic that I, that I applied to uh, the election mm. and, uh, woke up the, and like next morning, like, at, you know, most people went to bed on election right. night. Did you stay up? Uh, we stayed up a little while, but we didn't stay up super late because the... It wasn't black and white by the time you... Because uh, it was fairly no. well in, right? Yeah, was, yeah, wow. yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, the assumption was that, like, Hillary Clinton was going to win. I mean, we everyone to- had this thought on the whole. The narrative was, oh, this is a shoe in I mean, like, look at the crazy, like, this guy was the outlier from the get-go. Right. How He's, on earth right. does this happen? This is never going to happen. Sending rapists to the United States. This is, you know, bonkers. Yeah. He, he, he certainly came across as a very extreme option uh, right it's like and if we this like what we should get yeah we'll like have our first woman president she'll like do like american imperialism like we're used to mm-hmm. like we can just you know it'll be i mean she, she's the best if you're gonna start moving into uh, a whole new category we've just had the first black president but he was a bit edgy some of his yeah. things yeah but also you know he's drone striking everyone left right and center right. so i mean like you know, okay, United States, drone strikes for the middle east Absolutely. like this is a very like it's but it was a thing of like okay we're gonna have a woman well okay but could we have a woman that is as much like what we have already as possible for sure Done. tick in fact probably not like obama yeah. but i'm i'm talking more general <laughs> um and so it felt, yeah, it felt like the... Well, like, but like... Then I, I remember going to bed going, gosh, when I, because I, when I wake up, it's going to be like in the middle of the election still coming in. <laughs> so I set my alarm early and I'm like, oh, this will be fun to see like how far it's gone, what where it's at. And I remember going, oh, this is a race. Like, I was like, oh, this is not going oh, what I thought right. it was. And it was, it was riveting. I'm watching it come in. Right. Um, but bemused and, and, and astonished. And I mean, it was, it was so surprising to me and probably from a whole nother level, because again, we're removed, we're not within American culture. Sure. I'm more aware of American culture than a lot of people in the, in Europe. I spent more time in America. I, I, you know, 60, 70% of my audience are American. I spend loads of time over there. I spend loads of time talking to people. So I, I get it, but I'm also still going, Oh, and then I mean, we followed suit. So, I mean, whatever, but 
Well, so, and one of the big issues, you know, was the release of that Hollywood Access tape where he's on the record bragging about sexually assaulting women. You know? Sure. You, yeah. can, you can grab them by the pussy. You can do whatever you want. Like, you know, Avril and I talked about that a lot. Like, and, you know, she talked about that to a lot of women that she knew. And, um, and I woke up the morning after the election uh, and not totally sure what I was hearing. I like, look over and like Avril's looking at her phone and she's crying. Yeah. And like my stomach just, you know, sinks. And uh, almost and a, a lot of the, a lot of the women that I knew, a lot of the younger women that I knew, like that was just like a gut wrenching morning. And the, it wasn't, it wasn't so much. It, I mean, obviously it was about the politics. Obviously it was about like policies, but again and again and again, what I heard is it's like that guy was, on tape bragging like stating as a boast to a younger guy it's not like it's not like hey these are two 18 year old saints stupid crap to each other that they are both gonna cry about whenever it comes out in public and right. you know do a hundred hours of community service because they're so ashamed it's like this is a 60 year old man like telling a younger man about how you, what you can do to women yeah and like what he's done to women yeah and for all these women that I knew, like, it was like, this is the country that we live in, mm. where that is not, that is not a reason. Yeah, to not that didn't put people up. off. And, 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 and more shockingly so for Christians, that didn't put off Christians, because it was, there's, there's this kind of purity, this holiness, this whatever, um, concept that christians i mean even our votes are for the sake of purity and sanctity of marriage right. abortion you know, kind of different things that right. we feel is this is what we're all about um i think that for in talking because i've obviously talked with loads of people online uh since 2016 just a few <laughs> um, and and a, a lot of them kind of process and, and many of them I, I just spent um you know best part of three weeks in um in this in the south not that recently pandemic um I, I had to miss out on my one of my trips to america but i was in the south before that in january and talking to some people and they're like i voted for trump and and they've shifted so much in their beliefs that they go i'm just a totally different person now but it exposed to me how much that wasn't an issue on the table for me and i didn't really i'm, I'm aware that i generally speaking just didn't think of women I just didn't, it just wasn't even a kind of thought, it just wasn't on the table. And I, I'm intrigued by you because this is now a few years after that moment with uh, your wife. Yes. And you've yeah. now had a daughter as well. So I'm assuming you've gone through some processes and talked with her and tried right. to explore some of your, um, right. your like, we found participation out, in that world. Right. Whenever we, whenever Avril found out that she was pregnant, you know, we were like blown away, really excited. Um, we need to get the ultrasound to find out if you're having a boy or a girl. Like everyone's like, you know, do you want to do you, what do you think? Do you think it is? What do you want? And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't care. I am so excited. It can be, you know, like whatever. I am so here for it. And then like the ultrasound technician is like, and it's a girl. And like first shock, just like, and I was like, and then when the shock hit me, I was like, I was expecting it to be a boy. I wow. didn't know I was, but the shock is telling the truth. Mm, um, that's interesting. And then walking out into the parking lot, I felt fear. 
Like, yeah. I actually felt scared. Um, and uh, yeah, and so yeah, this is about this is a couple of years after Eve. Yeah, Eve is about who? Yeah, I think she must have. She, she would have just turned two. Yeah, and um, you talk about you. You know, you mentioned you know uh, asking non cis white men like what deconstruction is like for them, um, and then very much like hearing from all of like these. Uh, women that I knew like how this was hitting them Mm. and suddenly the choice to not vote uh felt like a real privilege Mm. (laughs) felt like felt like felt like a real like like yeah like you know I'm gonna trust God like God's in control and we need to work to you know see heaven come on earth like with our neighbors and in our relationships and it's like okay but now you but now you're part of a bunch of people who said who either you know because among the people who said we're against this guy we want this guy the big group of people in the united states like 70 percent of people just didn't say a thing mm-hmm. you know like most people in the united states did not vote and most people in the United States don't vote like which is common in I mean a huge right, majority like, of the world right, it's, it's, it's wild. don't say anything mm, that's and it's like like why don't people say anything it's like because it really doesn't feel like it's going to affect us mm. it really feels like whatever happens like <laughs> if you imagine a zombie apocalypse and are in any way excited by that you are not connected to real life. Like, like, you know, like, and like, I am definitely like, I am like, I am six, three, I weigh 200 pounds. I have definitely at times in my teenage life, hoped that a zombie apocalypse would happen. Cause that's yeah. super cool. Yeah. And well, you were like, sucking up your armament for it, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm pretty but sure like, that was one of your arguments. No. Right, exactly. <laughs> but like, there are no women who are like, yeah, a zombie apocalypse scenario could be cool. Not because there aren't women who can shoot guns, because there are plenty of women that can shoot guns. But like, uh, you like, just imagine that like the majority of the other sex is a lot bigger than you, yeah, and are at least as capable of violence as you, and many of them much more capable. And it's like, I don't really want a world where there is no nine one one or whatever yeah. I don't know what it is in the UK. Like, is it nine nine nine? It's 999. Well, yeah. Most of the people watching this are going to be in America anyway. Okay. And, and yeah, people yeah. in the UK, like this is the fascinating thing. I choose to be American by default for my audience because huh? Americans have no flex, right? <laughs> you add, you add, you spell a word by British English and oh my right. God, you get 35 messages going, what, what do you mean? It doesn't even make sense. You spell it wrong. You spell words English, uh, American, maybe one or two British people will be like, oh. Typical, you're spelling it American, but they don't really care. This is like for my donors, for oh, people that yeah. give to me, I, 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 I do all my giving in dollars. Do you know how impractical that is for a person that lives in the UK? But <laughs> British people, German people, South African people, they'll go, ah, I've bought stuff from America before. I can give in a, in a US dollar. It's fine. It's a bit less practical. Phil will lose like 8% or whatever, but it's fine. Americans, they go, you want me to give in pounds? 
Pounds? Pounds? What, what is this currency? I don't even know of this. You know, not quite, but they're just like, I do not want to know about the rest of the world and I'm not right. going to flex. The problem that. is, see, so. you gave up the empirical system to us and adopted something called metric. And that just sounds way less boss. So now yeah. we have, we, we, Imperial have, does sound pretty good. We, have, we have imperial measurements. We have dollars. Y'all have metric and whatever else. The we US should have had super duper dollars or something. I don't yeah, know. Something you see that would have been you would have really gotten America's attention. Yeah. That power um, bucks. Power bucks. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's funny. So, that's, uh, so this is going on. So I mean, this is fascinating because this is something I hear a lot from a lot of people. Um, this, so, let me say this. I found for a lot of males in their deconstruction, and all this is anecdotal, we're doing a lot of research right now and I'm really excited and I'm so excited in the different directions it will go. Um, but right now it's at very early stage, I just don't have the data and I'm piecemealing yeah. it over the next 20 years probably. So we'll get there, but it'll probably be too late by the time we figure it out. Um, but <laughs> the anecdotal data I have is on the whole men deconstruct largely when we're talking about deconstruction of spirituality through the mechanisms of theology, through the mechanisms of finding some uh, facts, figures, data about God and about their faith, about their Christianity, about themselves, how I fit into this. It seems for a woman, generally speaking, to be a much broader thing because there is so much systemic stuff that affects them in the church, which is also um, uh, in, it, just implicitly part of the system of the wider society and so when women are asking questions about well, why the hell am i exactly under my husband and he's the person right. in charge but actually he's nowhere near as equipped as me or as helpful as me and he keeps losing all his money like what the heck is that but they also then look a bit broader and go actually why the hell have we got president bragging about abusing women like i mean i may even like most of his policies but that makes me feel uncomfortable that we're okay with that Right. I mean, because whatever you say about the policies of Republican, Democrat, like I, I try to generally speaking, avoid it. But it's, it's natural that I'm going to lean right, maybe economically left, maybe like socially, like, whatever. Um, but whatever you think about Trump, I think we can all agree that that is not particularly healthy or something we want from a head of state that represents our country. Right. Um, now, he could have probably gone, hey, like, I'm really sorry. That was really inappropriate. Honestly, I've been a dick up to recently and I've changed my mind about women. And most of us would go, dude, we've all been there. We can all do that. That's fine. Um, but I think there is this element of a deconstruction that is so much broader for um, people that are not white, people that are not male, people that are not whatever we can put into those systems, you know, but there is an element of when you're privileged, you're like, oh, look at me. I'm just going to figure out this God thing, but I don't actually have to look a bit further at how that filters into society because there is a conflation with our gods and our system of belief and our society and our culture we fail to yeah. see that americanity and christianity at times are the same thing for a lot of people i i and i i think that's uh, that like that's i'm glad you brought that up that's exactly where um yeah that, that's exactly where this story goes for me because um uh yeah like the <clears throat> So like a bunch of a bunch of uh, because I mean I like I am here in Southern Indiana like most of the people I know are white um, most people I am friends with are white um, and for a lot of them this was a and for a lot like 
for a lot of, for a lot of white women, relatively secure middle, like middle, lower middle class, like this was like a real shock to the system. Mm. And then by, and then like for me by proxy, like a real shock to the system. Um, uh, and you know, for, uh, for a lot of, for, and like there, I, I, from like my talk, like from conversations that I've had, um, with like, with friends or like, uh, you know, podcasts I listen to, like a lot of black people in the United States, were not shocked. Mm. <laughs> like, like there was like, yeah, we, yeah. Most people don't care about like systemic injustice, about us, uh, sexism and racism and stuff. It's just that this was really, really, really blatant. It was about white mm-hmm. women, and it really hit home yeah. on a new level. Yeah. Like on a like, it really hit home on another level. Yeah. And yeah. you know, then uh, not long after, you know, we had. Uh, we had like the, we had Charlestown happen, um, where there were the protests and there were uh, neo Nazis, you know, saying you know you will not replace us, Jews will not replace us, like marching that. And uh, Heather Hires was killed um, by, mm. uh, 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 I mean, by a neo Nazi driving his car into a crowd. And that's right, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were, it was, uh, there were all these debates about the removal of Confederate statues. Uh, Statues honoring the Confederacy, um, statues that were not erected at the end of the Civil War, but were re-erected, but were right, erected yeah. in 1960 during civil rights. The explicit message being that, like, we're not for we're not for these civil rights. Like, we f- we fought for the Confederacy. Like, um, uh, states' rights, the right to do what? So. Um, I picked up about that time. I picked up uh, the cross and the lynching tree uh, by uh, James Cone. Cone, um, and I had never I'd heard of liberation theology, but I had uh, like it wasn't on the shelves growing up. <laughs> um, and James Cone, like in the first few pages of that, he's like the greatest sin of the American church is white supremacy. Mm. And I was like, I closed the book and I put it down and I was like, how is that so obvious? And I have never heard anyone say that before. So you like, were, this was not closed, like I'm angry, I'm, I'm done. No. Cause that was my first thought was like, that, yeah. that, that would be probably one of my first thoughts to that statement. Yeah, I don't know. Did you see? I I interviewed a, a woman called Joe Lumen. Amazing, she does amazing uh, stuff on all kinds of um, decolonization mm-hmm. within deconstruction, mm-hmm. and um, I included one of her quotes uh, when I announced that the podcast was available. And it was um, basically it said, "If you if you deconstruct without decolonizing your faith, you are just rebuilding another faith based on the same systemic issues." Did, did you see that at all? I did on not a, see that. On oh Instagram and on uh, Facebook. Dear Lord Jesus. <laughs> I lost hundreds of followers on Facebook immediately. Oh, People wow. commenting going, well, I definitely won't listen to that podcast. What a load of crap. Like anyone that has such an extreme position obviously has nothing to say to me. And I'm like, that seems like an extreme position already. Uh, <laughs> 
like oh and, and it was just yeah. i was i was like blown away and of course it was an extreme statement but uh it's an extreme situation and and i and i, I think right today right yeah so so but I, i'm just like it's crazy to me i mean this one of the things i i posted about a year ago no it was probably about three years ago i i had someone say to me and then I, i've been mulling over it for a few years and i think about a year ago i posted and i said how many books on your shelf are by white authors and how many books are by black authors or, or a person of color or you know any any non-white uh, uh race or ethnicity mm-hmm. and just ask people like just give me rough you know split right and and the amount of people that were like i had to go and look through all my books literally one by one and i had to look at the pictures on the back and everything because i was desperately hoping that someone might not be they might just have a very white sounding name but maybe not be because it was like and i and i'm like that is me i'm like i don't read black theology i don't read um anything from from different people of color not out of an intentionality but just out of a out of um supremacy and uh, and and the fact that that's just the system and so now i have to intentionally go out of my way it's like i ask um everyone who do you want on this podcast i say that every like you know year or so said it again a few months ago and my my audience are pretty uh, wrong words so many words that i don't want to engage in kind of all sorts of hierarchy and things like that but they're, they're pretty um open-minded they're they're quite sure. aware of these topics and things like that except for the not a lot of five-point left. calvinists um, in your audience is that... less so less so than i uh, used to um sure. i used to bring those guys in um oh, but uh what fascinated me i got about 100 people that were like we want these 100 people i put a big spreadsheet and had this 100 people and i was like this will be interesting i'm like how many of these people are male? And so I like just like split it and I was like, whoa, 87 to 13. And I was like, holy crap, that says a lot. And then I was like, okay, let me try and because I didn't know all 100, but I was like, okay, of the people I know, what's the split? And I was like, oh, dang, there's like nobody that's a person. There's like five. Um, and I was like, crap. And it's why actually. I've been very um, intentional trying not to have white men on. Sorry. <laughs> you, you all right. All right. Speaks <laughs> loudly of how much I wanted you on. Um, <laughs> but even still, if you look through my podcast, you'll see white male, white male, white male, white male. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's nothing about white males you, not having. The issue isn't that white or, men don't have it. The issue isn't that there's a lack of value or a lack of like uh, meaning and in, or anything to say it's about supremacy it's about dominance yeah right that it's and like, it is that like i can immediately find 100 white males to speak but actually i'm gonna have to go and hunt like anything to find 100 yeah people in a different uh background minority but actually not a minority right women are not a minority especially when you look at like people that have gone through church well churches predominantly outweighed by women and then right. you look at how many people are deconstructing well actually more women are deconstructing than men generally speaking and so you go why is it so hard to find women leaders now it's not there are hundreds and i'm trying to get them in but um it, it just it's these systemic things are so crazy right, really right. crazy I anyway we've completely so, derailed from what you were saying so please, no, no no not at all no not at all like it's, it's very much the point like the, the the like what like is it that nobody knows that white supremacy is a major is the main problem with Amer- the american church mm. no it's not that nobody knows that but I, but like uh, i have listened to thousands of sermons thousands of hours of podcasts read i 
like, like, I've read some books. I've read some books. Never come up. Never been, never an issue. Like, I mean, racism, you know, be like, racism's, you know, like racism is an issue. Like racism is bad, but like, you know, like, do you know what's wrong with the American church? Like, like white supremacy is at the heart of what's wrong with the American church. Mm. And you're like, well, I don't like, and it's like, well, how can, how can that be? How does that show up? And you'd be like, well, we could talk about the carceral state. We could talk about how more black men are in prison in the United States than were imprisoned at the height of apartheid in South Africa, right? Like by hundreds of thousands, by enormous, an enormous number, right? We could, mm. we could talk about, we could talk about, you know, uh, colonialism in Central America. We can talk about, you know, like the Southern border, like there's all, but like, the thing about our control, like, and then we got on, we got on this because you were talking about America. I think what you call it American, American, anity, like Christianity, mm, yes. like you, were, you, the realization that you, uh, we totally interpret our faith through our social and political paradigm. And that's not a problem unless we're not okay with saying that that's what we're doing. Mm, and yes. if we're not okay that's with, a like, huge one because i have no problem like, with that implicitly i'm like look you can only see things the way you do and, and that's fine yeah, like you have you have your brain you're not going to understand things with a different brain yeah. but we have to first say that like this is it i i can't remember it's like you can't have a non-adjective theology mm. you can't have a non-adjective like like political view like you have a point of view, you have um, the system that you're drawing from. And to step back and like, uh, you know, I, I've had this, you know, conversation uh, here pretty recently where I was, you know, uh, sharing from James five, where James is like, you know, what do you who are rich? You know, like, what do you who are rich here? Riches are, you know, moth-eaten and your gold is cankered and thrust will burn your flesh like fire and be a witness against you, you know, You've withheld wages, you know, like the wages of your workers cries out against it. You've held back by fraud, like, mm. and they cried out to the Lord of the harvest. Um, and I, I shared that talking about um, the way that um, people like um, people like Jeff Bezos and other extremely successful billionaires have become even more successful billionaires during this pandemic and during this crisis. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Um, when, and you know, that, uh, uh, now they're cutting their emergency wages cause the wages are over and, you know, like seems like a fairly, if you take it, like if you totally cut everything out, you're like, that probably applies to Jeff Bezos, right? Like he's got workers, he's immeasurably more wealthy than they are. Right. And um, even before all this was kicking off, I mean, like Amazon was the textbook case. If you were going to talk about people that literally like are going home and hanging themselves because right. their workplace is so, so awful. And, uh, and, and there's, and there's, right. And there's, and that like, you know, they don't pay any taxes. So they don't like, they, you know, Amazon, the corporation doesn't pay any taxes. And so like, that's like, this should not be an issue. And like mm. right away, like I'm having these arguments with people where they're like, well, who are you to judge what he does with his money? And it's like, um, I mean, like, I act like James is like, like, like James is like, well, what about you? And what about what you do? I'm like, I don't have any employees. Like, mm -hmm. this is like, it's like, 
Christians can be so painstakingly literal about passages that they they want to apply to somebody. Then it's like, well, this is talking about somebody who has employees. So I don't think it's talking about every person earning a salary of $35,000. Like it's not mm-hmm. about this. Like there are lots of verses in the Bible that say, be generous. There are lots of verses yeah. that say, like, give, you know, give, give like from a joyful heart. This verse says, Hey, really rich people who get really rich by paying their workers crap and holding back the value of their work from them so they can get rich. God's coming for you. Like that's actually the whole point here. It's not the, this is not a be generous verse. This is a, be scared, rich people who are rich in your workers. <laughs> That's actually the whole point. Like yeah. James, it's, and but like if if we let James say that, that is a, that is an attack on core American Christian yeah. values. Like that's very very important. That um, like being rich isn't an issue. Like having more than everyone else isn't an issue, which is really important if you have 5% of the world's population and consume 25% of the planet's resources. You need to have that as a core value for your uh, nation. Um, Otherwise, it's going to get really awkward really fast that we can all eat as much beef as we want and not worry about it. Like, um, uh, so that... James Cone was my entry, uh, was my, uh, he was my, he was my gateway drug into, um, starting to, and I, I was already, I was primed for it because, uh, you know, I have my, uh, background being like annoyingly anti-state, like I'm a, I'm smarter than all of you because I'm a libertarian and that's the third way that nobody thought of before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and uh, started started learning, started like really digging into um, the history of the United States uh, and its uh, its dealings with our uh, Central and South American neighbors, um, which is basically a hundred year story of assassinations and coups and mm-hmm. um, uh, you know invasions to prop up major U.S. corporations, like literally like overthrowing, you know, the Guatemalan president, Jacobo, uh, yeah, yeah. and like, like all, you, you guys all learned from us, by the way. Like, nobody yeah, no, I'm, no, I mean, <laughs> thanks dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. And, you know, like, and then you, you know, you can read about, you know, you find out about, um, lots of these like really like, um, political leaders, people who are held in high esteem. Like I'm seeing a lot of, uh, like, you know, especially for a lot of people who have like regret over Trump, like they're like looking back towards like George HW Bush and like mm. men who, um, you know, the, the, the whole, the whole, uh, zeitgeist of the American political leadership is that like, this is a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. We are Christian men. Yep. Like we believe in Christian values and you're like, George H.W. Bush bombed Panama City, unprovoked. There was no active war. Five thousand people died. He so he because their president was like not going to renegotiate the Panama Canal. The massive international condemnation. I have not met a single American who knows that happened. Mm, I've never heard of that. Yeah, like he yeah bombed Panama. Like he like it's it's not it's like it's not a secret. He bombed Panama City for three days. Nobody was allowed into the city. To count bodies like things were moved around things were hidden like 
um, Dick Cheney, Dick Cheney, he was there, like said that maybe 300 people died, but like the Red Cross wasn't allowed in. Nobody was allowed in for three days. Wow. And like human rights organizations are like at least 5,000 people died. Cause wow. it, it was the city. Like it wasn't on a, not a military target. They bombed Panama, yeah. kidnapped the president Noriega, who was by all accounts, kind of a jerk. Um, sure. but like, had been a CIA asset for like 20 years. Again, like not a secret, not a conspiracy theory, like, like openly the truth. Um, and, uh, the thing, and like this, the, the relevance of all this is that it's like, um, our self-reflection as like, particularly as white American Christians is that we've had problems, but we've basically gotten it right. Mm. Like, like thing, like there are issues, but like, they're like, basically we're on the right path. I remember after, um, after the 2016 election, um, uh, there, there were people, uh, spiritual leaders, people who have been our spiritual leaders who went on the record because there was dust up. It's like, Hey, this guy really doesn't like Brown people. This guy like, like characterizes the most impoverished, most desperate, like, um, neighbors that we have who come here and like, they're willing to work. They're willing, like they, they want a better life. Um, they, our economy would collapse without them, blah, 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 blah. Um, and he's like, these people, some of them sure are fine, but Mexico's sending their rapists, they're sending murderers, like they're sending, like that's who these people are and we gotta stop this from happening. And um, you know, it sparked off like this immigration debate. And like the immigration debate for American Christianity could be shoved into the corner and has been for overwhelmingly for our history. Like that's a political issue. It's not a Christian issue. Yeah. You know, like which is Matthew, fascinating to me because right. it's such a f- prominent message all the way through the Bible. But right. yeah, yeah, like or or um, mass incarceration—that's a political issue. Mm. Like, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, whether like so, like social social provision—that's a political issue. These aren't mm. Christian issues, um, and. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Is he was a he was a bitch. He was a bishop in Central America. Uh, his last name was Herrera, and he he has this great quote where he's like, um, "When I feed the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why the poor are hungry, they call me a communist." Mm. Um, and the, one of my, I think, and this is where this is where I am, kind of in the present day. I think that like it is. Uh, I don't think, I don't think anyone's deconstruction um, has gone far enough until we are uh, beginning to realize that um, the political and the religious are the same, are like effectively the same thing. Like they are, they are the structures by which we organize our community. Yeah. Right. And, um, they aren't the same thing in that, like, well, hopefully they're not the same thing in that, like, you aren't trying to make your politics, your religion necessarily or, or vice versa. But like, if you, if you're talking about Jesus, Jesus got killed for political reasons. 
They right. only crucified insurgents. Right. They only crucified be pulling right. down the Roman government to be crucified. Right. Like right. Exactly. You, you like you, yeah. you, like like yeah like you you the 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 concern of the Sanhedrin is that he's going to like like bring the Romans down on them because they're not doing a good enough job tamping down insurrection and keeping yeah. people from saying things like, Hey, uh, the mighty are being cast from their thrones. Yeah. Like God is raising up the lowly. And, but we also forget that the Sanhedrin are not just a religious movement because nope. in that day, religion and politics were the same thing. Literally it was the same thing. For and Israel, the whole they, Israel story, at no point did they go, okay, well, let's have an election as you want. No, the priest, <laughs> the Sanhedrin, the rabbi, like this whole structure of people that were powerful, rich, they ran the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, we fail to see that dynamic, even like when they had kings, like, you know, well, that king was the spiritual authority over, I mean, the prophets maybe spoke to him and informed him, but the king's the one going, David's going, God, should we go to war here or should we go to war there? Like, it, it's, it's, yeah interwoven and it and it and like uh you know if you go to washington dc and you go to the george washington monument like they have there's a there's a uh painting in there on the ceiling and it's called the uh, it's called um the apotheosis of george washington Mm. right where he's like um you know apotheosis is like being made a god you know where he's like being carried heavenward by like truth and like and like it's like, you know, it, it, the whole, you know, the whole thing with like the Washington DC is they were doing it in like a Roman style and like you know, apotheosis is this Latin idea, but like, it's actually right there in the Capitol. Like, the idea that like this and like, this is a God inspired, like leap forward in human history and freedom yeah. and prosperity and justice. And, and um, here's this cognitive dissonance where that's what as a country we want to be true that's what as a church we Mm. want to be true and when all these little things keep coming up that say maybe not maybe that's not true um like 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 uh why is it that like one in three women has been sexually assaulted in your churches and in your country Mm. Like, 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 why, like, why, like, why do you have more people in prison than China and Russia put together? Combined, right? Combined by a lot. Oh, you could throw a lot more countries in the mix. You could throw a lot more countries in there. Like, 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 why are all the weapons made in your country that like, Mm -hmm. like, give, like, fuel war all around the world? Like, why is it when you go into countries to find weapons of mass destruction, you know they're there because you have the receipts? Because you have the receipts, right. Like, um, and it's like, and with every bump, with everything that says maybe something's wrong, that discomfort that's like thirst or hunger flashes up in us and we have to make a choice Mm. to be like, what's wrong here? Am I doing something wrong? Or we double down. Yeah. That question, that doubt becomes more fuel that says, no, that we are right. And there's this other thing out there that's trying to tear us down. That's trying to like, uh, it's trying to like ruin, um, you know, like that's trying to like ruin our system. That's trying to bring mm-hmm. shame on our family. It's trying to, that doesn't, it's trying to bring shame on our flag. And it, um, 
the existence of that enemy, the existence of that rival, the existence of that other force um, continues to back that up, continues to force us to double down on those, on those um, ideas. And, and I, I was talking to Abrilon about this the other day and um, you, see, I, you see with Jesus, you, like, you have him like on the Sermon on the Mount and he like opens with this like, pull everyone in. He's like, blessed are the poor in spirit. There's the kingdom of heaven. And everyone's like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, no, that's totally like, I definitely feel sad. <laughs> you know, I know I mean like, you know, I definitely feel like I'm in need. Like, mm. um, and then you have Jesus like confronting um, the Pharisees. And Jesus does not start with a Beatitudes, you know, he's like, yeah, like, he's like, you know, like, um, woe to you, hypocrites, blind guides, you know, you search the whole world for like, for like one, like proselyte and you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. Um, And you're like, it's always like, at least for me, like there was in like my communities that I was part of, like, there's always this like, well, when do you do like the bring people in and when do you do the like bash them with the woe <laughs> thing, you know, cause Jesus did both. And, mm-hmm. um, and like, I'm really like, this is the, like this, like Jesus always, you know, Jesus is like, listen, I didn't come to judge anybody. The words I'm speaking to you are going to judge you in the end. And Jesus keeps like saying, he keeps making really clear. He's like, after I go, like, there's going to be destruction coming. Like, don't cry for me, women of Jerusalem, on my way to being crucified. Like, if they're doing this in the green, because I'm a man of peace, like, and I, like, everything's good right now. What are they going to do in the dry? Whenever they're actually, somebody is like telling you I'm the Messiah and Mm -hmm. let's fight the Romans and, you know, restore our, like, you know, make, you know, like make Israel great again. Um, uh, what are you going to do then? Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just, just thought of just uh, interposing that onto Israel. <laughs> um, yeah. I think we, we forget, like, I mean, the, the thing about this is we forget that, that Jesus was expressly very political. His message was very much, um, we have, uh, we have, created a system where the religious elites the financial elites the governmental uh, empire elites so rome as a whole are basically milking everyone dry they don't give a crap about the general populace you know that that, that they are that the blessed be the poor in spirit is pretty much everyone mm-hmm. and woe to you you know these these hypocritical leaders that position themselves as somehow better and um, when actually you're utterly dry as you know dust in your heart what's going on and um, these are like it, he's talking about entire systemic things it's not just about individuals no. um, and i think one of the things that that scares me is that when i look at my nation uh the uk when i look at the us probably the next nation that's closest to my heart that i love more than anything i mean i, I say constants people I, I mean i love the us so much I'd, I'd love to live there i'd love to be a part of the us i love the us i really do um and i have problems with the us and i have problems with the uk and I have problems in pro- every other country right and and uh but any way we cut it the uk and the us are rome in this story right. our right. countries are the roman empire that jesus is speaking out against right. they are the ones that are deciding 
how we're going to do things, how it's going to work, who should do what they want, whether you're libertarian or Republican or Democrat or whatever. Like for me, these are just dualistic um, arguments that go nowhere at the end of the day. And they're probably very important when you're in a dualistic mindset, you can't transcend that. But ultimately we have to accept, okay, if you're going to allow Jesus to inform your politics, which just literally means the policies you hold, you have to accept that the government is run on a few billion policies. <laughs> it's just policies forever, right? The, the laws are just endless. And then we go, oh, uh, I'm going to vote based on these three policies or this five policies. Or, and, and, and we go, right, which, which of the teams has my policy? Well, we're lucky if we can find a team that has three of them, never mind five or, you know, never mind a billion. If we're going to be honest, actually, lots of people hold some of our policies and their outright enemies hold some other policies that go, I really want that as well, though. I don't want to lose that by voting that. And mm -hmm. it's going to take us... Um, being a lot more level-headed, having a much more rounded a conversation. But again, when the moderate is silenced and the two extremes come out, we end up with just an unhealthy approach to governing nations. Um, and the, and like yeah. to, to, totally totally to that to that end that like um, uh, <laughs> that you can't. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. My mind like races in so many directions right then. Like you you can't. Uh, you can't say like you can, you or you can, but you are doing cognitive dissonance when you do it. You can say that um, Jesus Christ is the person who I base my beliefs about what the world should look like, how we should treat people, um, how we should relate to God, and say that when brown people don't file the right papers, it's okay to take their children from them and keep them in cages for months on end. Like, and let, when that cognitive dissonance hits, following Jesus means like letting that make us uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and force us to reassess what we're doing yeah. and uh that the reason jesus he's like he does both right like he's like hey blessed are the poor in spirit come to me all you who are weary i will give you rest and then when he's speaking to people who hold these reins of power when he's speaking to people who um shape the world the way that it is right like the, the i i was this is what i was talking to everyone about that like he he intentionally make like draws out their cognitive dissonance like which actually is not the best way to get someone to change their mind in fact it's kind of the worst <laughs> like the best way to get somebody to change their mind is like hey i know you're poor in spirit like the kingdom of heaven is here for you like the best way to get somebody to like double down on what they're doing is to be like, Hey, you're a hypocrite. Yeah. Well, you just backfire, um, right? I mean, that's, right, that's right. the whole principle. For, exactly. And so it's really interesting that Jesus does that with the Pharisees. Mm. Um, because like, be, it, because like, we know that Jesus is here to provoke this confrontation. We know he's here to like prove, to demonstrate that this, that 
the, the present order is run by dark forces that seek to destroy human beings, mm -hmm. human relationships, and human communities to grind them down and strip them of their humanity, right? Like, and he, and the reason he's like, he's like, hey, um, by the way, you're of your father, the devil. Like, he was a murderer from the beginning. I guess you guys know all about that. Like, that is very much not how the leaders saw themselves. No, they, they thought they were the good guys. Exactly. And they genuinely like, thought they were doing the right things and whatever. Right. Of course, right? No, I mean, no one thinks they're the bad guy, right. hopefully. Right. But literally by forcing them to confront their cognitive dissonance and then them doubling down and being like, no, we're not. You're a false prophet. You're here to cause trouble. Like all the way to them actually killing him. Exactly like all these confrontations are like, you are this. And they're like, nah, 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 nah. <clears throat> like killed him. And it's like, and like, nobody was like, Oh yeah. Did, did we actually just do that? Did we actually fall into his trap and just literally play literally out in a pantomime what his point was? Literally do it. Um, and that like, really like, that's very, like we talk about where the UK is, where the United States is like, that, I feel like it's very much where we are. Like it you is. can't, like you can't, like the United States. You know, like we are being faced like all the time now with um, black men being murdered. Like black, mm -hmm. like black, like black women as well. But like you know, like like police shootings. Like we've had you know, Ahmaud Aubrey now. Like yep. there's been a woman over in Louisville, like just now, like mm -hmm. who was like murdered by the police, like breaking into her apartment, like without a like no knock, like wrong house, like. Uh, and like an EMT and shot nine times, like just, and it's like, you can't look like, you can't say, I don't know. Like, you can't say like, maybe it's not happening. Like, it's totally happening. We have a problem. Like black people get killed in this country all the time for no reason, mm -hmm. no reason. Like, uh, not no reason, white supremacy. And we can either say, hey, we have a systemic problem here. Um, that if we don't confront it, it's we it's going to destroy us. We're going to destroy ourselves. And that, but like that confrontation, that moment of being like James Cone being like the sin in the of the American Church is white supremacy. Yeah, you can either be like, oh my god, I had never thought about that, and I actually um, I have to. I have to like reassess what I think needs to be done here. I have to reassess like what I think the values are for our community. Like what I think it's okay for a police chief to say, or what I think a police chief needs to say, like needs to say that like violence against um, black people is a real problem in our community um, or a real problem in our country. Um, then, or you, or you can double down and be like, nah, -uh. yeah. nah, -uh. And the path of nuh-uh leads to crucifying somebody. Yeah. <laughs> like, like whether it be, whether it be like, um, you know, people get thrown out of churches, people get cut out of families, or people actually get shot. Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, these, these like, realizing that like, the, the, and like, this is, ta-da, deconstruction. Like, the reason I think that deconstruction is so hard has it's been like really like long and hard for me and like uh, 
uh, and you know, I'm that now I'm like, now I'm in the middle of like deconstructing like that, that, uh, the fact that like what's most important to me is that people see me as a good person and that like, mm. and that like that gets held together no matter what, like yeah. that had like, that's caused so much like unnecessary pain and heartache and like my close relationships. Like, like that is not a position to like be intimate and connected to people. from. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, to find the places that I really need to deconstruct, I've had to um, find people who like weren't like me or pick up books from people who weren't like me. Like, 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 even like those baby steps, like going from, you know, uh, listening to my friend from the UK, (laughs) uh, and like, uh, picking it, like paying attention to some of his blogs, somebody just from, somebody just from outside my circle and then finding Anabaptists who are like pretty far outside my theological circle and like listening to people from outside my political circle Mm. and then people from outside of my, like, like people from another race, like people, like people of another color. Like, um, people from another, people from other countries, like, um, reading, you know, reading, like, span, like, reading Spanish authors and, like, um, we're not going to be able to see what we don't see unless we pull on somebody who, like, uh, is looking at it from somewhere else. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And to recognize it by looking at it from a different uh, when you look at it from a different angle, they are going to say things that we don't see or agree with. And that isn't incorrect. It's their perspective. And it's potentially just as true as my perspective. It might even be more true. They might even have a better vantage on something. But the problem is we really struggle to listen to things that we feel are false, that we feel are attacking our, or challenging what we know to be true. Because well, what I know is true. I, I, I wouldn't believe it otherwise. Right? I mean, what we, we, what we believe is what we consider to be fact. Otherwise we don't believe it. Um, right. It's really hard to do that. And I think as well, going back to the, um, the looking at something. So how do I begin to look at um, the treatment of women in the systems and society that we have, whether it's within church or more broadly in society? Well, the problem that I have is when I'm extremely dualistic and my world is is governed by and somewhere like America is quite easy. The UK is quite easy as well. We've got kind of like two parties on the whole that we're going to discuss. The UK is a bit more complex, but not much. In America, you've got, okay, you've got this group on the left. You've got a group on the right, Republican, Democrat, and, and you've got these two options. And they've both got phenomenal policies all the way through in different ways. And they've both got some really crummy like concepts. And that's just because they're humans. Um, right and they're they all have their own intricate biases and they're all quite on a spectrum within those two camps right you could talk to two different democrats to be quite different you could talk to two different republicans to be quite different um the the danger is when we are forced to take a side because well god is focused on this you know so we might look at um maybe um someone that is a uh, white evangelical who are typically very vocal about abortion, for example, will go, well, Republicans are saying they're going to stop abortions happen. Uh, the Democrats are saying they're going to stop abortions happen, but they're going to do it in a more hands-off way. They're going to do education and health care. So I'm, I'm not as comfortable with that. I want some clear-cut black and white. So when a Democrat comes along and says, hey, I'd like to talk about um, some race issues, you might go, dang, 
racism is messed up, man. I, I, I don't, I don't like that there's racism or, Hey, I'd like to talk about some sexist issues. Go, yeah, dude, I don't like that people are my, I've got a daughter sending her to school. I don't like that. She's treated in some way, shape or form less than the, 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 the boys in her class, mm-hmm. but I'm going to have to put down my abortion issue to pick up this thing over here because I only have these two choices and it's an absolutist position I have to hold. So suddenly you're left with, um, if you've seen the Louis C.K. Uh, special where it opens and he's talking about abortion and, and he's in like San Francisco and he's like, hey, everyone, San Francisco, whoa, super liberal here. You know, it's like, you know, he's, he's kind of feeding the crowd, right, he's right. gearing them up. Um, and he's like, you know, I bet you're all like really, you know, um, pro-choice here, you know, all that different stuff. And the crowd's going, yeah. And he's like, he's like, bet you guys think all the people that are like, you know, um, anti-abortion, you know, pro-life, bunch of morons, right? And everyone's like, whoa. And he's like, yeah, I know my crowds. He's like, but here's the deal. He's like, it's when comedians drop everything and it's just like, moment, wait, what's, what's going to happen now? Feel set up. We were getting excited. And he's like, here's the deal. He's like, this group of people, whether right or wrong, genuinely believe that millions upon millions of human beings are being killed every year. He's like, can we fault them for saying, I got a question. Right. You know, he's like, if you found out that somewhere in America, right, you go into a certain state and it turns out they just killed everyone that had a disability or they just killed. Well, in this state, we kill all the black people or whatever. Right. right? Or we kill all the men. We just want women in this state. Right. Right. You would you'd look at that and go. I got a question. Like, I, I'm not OK with that. Like, am I associated with that? Like, and, and it's this thing of like. So when you're dealing with something like that, right, and your only option to deal with that, millions of deaths, now, whatever your position on abortion or whatever, and also it is complicated on how you get that number to go down, because I know a lot of people that are very pro-life that believe the the methods to lower that number, and there's a lot of data to, to point to that being true, is to not make it illegal and focus on that, but instead focus on peripheral things. So it's a very complex thing. But when you genuinely are looking at something going, oh, they're actually, there's an option for them to just go, nope, not allowed to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. That seems like a, a, that's a good right. idea, right? I'm, I'm very pro going, we're not allowed to kill people, right? right. Um, and, and so uh, it's the problem is you talk about race, you talk about, and it's like, well, yeah, I get it. Lots of black people die in America, right? But, right, and this, this is not me speaking, very clear here, um, mm-hmm. but they're thinking, okay, but we're talking millions millions of babies being murdered this is like babies being murdered versus like oh black people yeah probably a lot of these are unjust but maybe some are unjust and they're they're weighing it all up and they're going and it's oh we're talking thousands of people not millions like millions of black people aren't being shot by police quite um (laughs) getting there Uh, (laughs) cumulatively maybe um but but you know, like, so they're sitting weighing this, and I'm, and I've, I, I, if I can take a step back and look at it, I'm like, that's a shitty choice to go into a polling booth with. Going, do I want to vote for a president that goes, yeah, abusing women, brilliant, one of the perks of being rich, but I'm gonna <laughs> stop, but I'm gonna stop murdering millions of babies every year. Now, of course, he hasn't done that, um, but do, do you know what I mean? If you genuinely think that, you're like, okay, which do I choose? He's bragging about abusing women, but he's going to stop killing 2 million babies every year. I don't know the numbers, uh, you know, whatever, and however you quantify those different things Mm -hmm. as well. We're we're talking about impossible choices when you're in a particular 
framework of how you observe things. Now, I'm not even saying that that's a wrong framework. I, I think it's very valid. And, and I think when you're talking about um, uh, the conception of, of life and, and the beginning of life, it's freaking complex and nobody is particularly clued up on where we should begin that marker. Everyone has different opinions as far as sentience, as far as how we feel pain, as far as when we can think, as far as what is being conscious. Like, I mean, like, or even like, well, what is life? You know, where, where you go? I mean, a single cell organism is life, you know, it's a super complex question. I am not going to judge someone for going, I figured out that it's here. Dude, well done. Like, if you think you figured that out, awesome. I have some opinions on that as well, but I'm not going to hold anyone to them. But it's a bloody hard thing. Um, if you're genuinely in that camp going, huh, millions of people were, or whatever it is, right? I mean, there's different topics. I'm just picking one that's, it's, it's an obvious hot topic because the extreme of if this is exactly what is happening, anyone that isn't going nuts and running around, it's like people that say they believe in hell, right? I'm like, you don't don't believe in hell because if you actually believed in hell, you would be breaking doors down going, Paul, please listen to me. Just say the prayer. I don't even care if you believe it. At least maybe be in. Like you're gonna burn right. forever. You know what I mean? If you yes. really believe that, you wouldn't let your kids leave the house. Do you know what I mean? Like you'd right. be freaking out until you were sure yeah. they're in. Um, right. And I think it's the same deal. Like if you really believe that, I, 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 dude, do you know the the guts? Now I think this is one of the most disgusting, awful, horrible things that you can have. But um, one of the people I'm trying to have on the podcast is Megan Phelps. Um, do you know who Megan Phelps is? She's the granddaughter yep. of Fred Phelps from the Western Baptist Church. Um, yeah, she wrote an amazing book, Unfollow, really highly recommends. It's all about her time yes. in the West Brett. You read wow. through this book and you're like, holy crap, I would love to be a part of this family. They are really loving, really close-knit, really do life well. But the thing that stood out to me, um, so there's that dynamic of like this total like, oh, when you're in a cult, when you're in that kind of like extreme environment and your family and everything, it's nice. And you right. can't see the, the really toxic things you're doing. But the thing is, I actually really respect the West Baptist Church, right? I think what they're doing is some of the most disgusting stuff you could do. Picketing funerals, you know, um, you know, telling homosexuals all sorts. So using slurs and all sorts. Really awful stuff. Yeah. But you know what? God damn, if I didn't believe half that stuff when I was a conservative Christian, I didn't do bugger all about it. So who's who's the person that actually... On some level, I'm like, dang, you've got courage, you've got bravery, you, you're convicted, you follow through on your beliefs. Now, are they wrong? God, I hope they're wrong, and I'm pretty sure they are. They're wrong. They're totally wrong. But, <laughs> but I do right. admire that these guys follow through on what they believe, because I believe that. I believe that homosexuality was an abomination. I believe that whatever uh, war was wrong, or you know, I've believed those things. I'm not running around trying to save people. Mm. Um, and I do think... Uh, let, me, let me push back on that for a second. Let me push back. Please, because I, I am aware that this yeah. is a very right. No, no. It's like so, like because we're talking, we we're still we're talking about cognitive dissonance, like because the mm. same, you know, like yeah, I I I believe that homosexuality was a sin, right? Like I to- totally believe that. Um, uh, I like and and on paper, yeah, I believe that like ultimately, if you you know, if you had if you didn't believe in God in the right way, like you were going. To go to hell, like you know, I believe like in some form or fashion, I believe that, right? Um, so the question is, like, 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 what is more, like, what is more respect worthy? That like that you 
believed that was true. And then you looked at someone and you were like, I think this is true. So I am going to say, I'm going to do this dehumanizing thing. I'm going to mm. speak in this dehumanizing way. I am going to like, I'm going to live this out, Yeah, you know? And uh, like, and it's like, you can't, you know, like, like you can come face to face with like, um, you know, a gay person and you're like, I just, I just didn't say anything. Mm. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, cause like I'm looking in your eyes and I'm like, I like you. I like you. Like, like, yeah. like, like the, what I, what I feel is love, you know, like, like what I feel, like what I feel is that like, I am really uncomfortable with the fact that my, I, I have a belief that says you can't belong. Not only can you not belong, you can't belong forever. Like forever. You can't belong. And I'm looking you in the eyes and I'm like, I don't know how to reconcile what I'm looking at mm. and this thought that I have. And so I'm just going to shut my mouth. Yeah. Like, um, which I think uh, is probably oh, the experience of most people. What'd you say? That's the experience of most people, right? That's why right, of course, of most course. people <laughs> don't really believe that their aunt Susan is going to burn for 20 trillion years, exact same amount of time, like eternity as Hitler. Right, because right. Aunt Susan was quite nice. She gave them an Xbox for Christmas one year. Like she, <laughs> she helped the homeless. She, you know, she was a nice right. woman. So, right. like, really, just because she didn't say a prayer. And so, on some level, we're all kind of there where we're not Art. really. And so the question is, like, so obviously we're both having this hit of cognitive dissonance, right? Like, I, at least I believe, like, I, like, I, like, I believe, like, you know, like, I don't think there's anybody. Maybe we'll take that back. At least with like, uh, um, what's her name? The who wrote the book? Oh, uh, Megan Phelps. Yeah. Megan Phelps. Thank you. Uh, Megan uh, Phelps. Megan Phelps Roper. I think now she got married. But. She, she has this moment of cognitive dissonance, obviously, where she realizes she's not sure that she believes this anymore. Right. Mm. And I, I suspect everyone in that has had moments of that. Like everyone, like, cause you know, you know, like, like when I was at Bethel, like I was really all in at Bethel. Like I really wanted it. I really, really wanted it. Yeah. And then like, there's this moment where I'm like, you know, collecting gold off the walls and I'm like, I don't know what's happening anymore. I don't know yeah. like, what this is about. Um, and then, you know, it's like, yeah, look, gay people can't be part of the family of God. And it's like, and it's like, I'm looking you in the eyes and I really don't know if I believe that that's true. Yeah. Um, and it's like, uh, and I know the reasons, I know the reasons why I'm supposed to believe that, but like, I'm having this cognitive dissonance now. What am I going to do about it? Mm. Um, to the end that like, is it like, I don't because the world doesn't consist of like our communities do not consist of our ideas about it. They consist of our yeah. relationships in it. Right. I have, there are real, like I have neighbors like who I have substantial disagreements with and they borrow my lawnmower and then I borrowed theirs and we hang out on the front porch and we like, and they've asked and like, they are like sweet with my daughter and mm -hmm. they like, um, you know, like, like, like people, like people who like, you know, like we are on like as opposite ends of like a political spectrum as you basically can be, except, you know, eh, don't trust the government too much. Um, uh, we can all agree on that one. Yeah, like, like, you government's like, really burning that bridge em. at this point. Watch them. <laughs> watch them. Um, 
Like, are they your friends? Watch them. <laughs> Is it the other guy? Watch them. Um, and, but like, what makes up our community is the way we treat one another. Yeah. Just like, despite what we might think Mm. about uh, whether or not that position is ridiculous or whether or not like, um, like that's the way you should handle money in this community or that's Mm. the way you should handle support relief in this community or whether there should be section eight housing on our block or whether there should be a, you know, a halfway house, you know, the next block over, you know, like, these are like these are real things. They're real things that like you can have real conflict over and real yeah, argument absolutely. over. Yeah. The question is like, am I going to be like like you don't belong? Mm. And like and so I, I say I say all that to say like I I I I do not share the feeling that like it is inherently respect worthy to like act on your beliefs in a thorough way like like because like yeah you you stand there across from somebody who you know their 18 year old son got was blown up in afghanistan by an ied in a war that's explanations are crazy and Mm -hmm. he just signed up out of high school because like he wanted to serve his country like and like and and you get there and you're facing an unbelievable shock and someone's standing on the other side of the casket, like, your son's dead because people are gay. Sorry. Like, except not sorry. Ditch the sorry. No, well, you can't be sorry. You've got to be thankful because you've got to be thankful for everything that happened because that's God's will. Right. And uh, it's like, that's, uh, yeah. When I think about, when I think about like, why would Jesus sometimes just be like, you're a hypocrite, like, why would Jesus be like, you're like, you're, you're of your father, the devil. Mm. Like, like, like what, like, why would those moments come in my life? Like where it's like, those moments where it's like, you don't want to be a good person. You want to protect the vision of yourself as a good person. Mm. Like, like yeah. you know, like, and like to have those moments come and like, feel like the teeth draw around that thing to protect that like like to be like i will literally bite and claw to like like stop this thing from being ripped away from me like because um and i could have and i could have had i mean i have i've had thousands of like come to me all you who are weary and i will give you rest like i've cried and i've wept and like it's been so meaningful and stuff and like so moving and i really needed that but like um real change has come in my life in moments where it's like where it's like you are paralyzed willingly defending this version of yourself because it's what makes you feel good and it's actually to the harm of other people because you're not being honest you're not being vulnerable you're not being committed like yeah. what you want is what i want is like for other people to see me as a good person mm-hmm. and like, and I, and like, and, and all this time I'm telling myself that like what I want is to be a good person. It's like, those are very different because to be yeah. a good person um, uh, is about doing things. <laughs> I mean, to, I mean to, to be, to be a good person shows up in how you do things. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah. 
That's how have you navigated that? So how have you gone from, uh, presuming you've obviously arrived and you're now here and you're a good Yes, person. no, I'm glad you brought um, that up. It's gone. How have, how have you gone from, a, and, and you'll be selling your book on how to become a good person. Yes, yes. It's, it, this is my mug. The party has arrived. It's uh, going to be the title of my book. It's, not, it's just a book. <laughs> um, how have you navigated, obviously you've thought about this enough to realize that dynamic is in you, that I want to be seen as a good person, but actually on some level deeper, I'm like, no, I know that I really want to put that aside and be a good person. Mm -hmm. That is some deep inner work, like to, to start making those shifts because you're not wired to, to do that. Like that's not how the, the human brain is wired. We are not wired, but really I am not wired. <laughs> yeah, well, and then you're doubling down on your, um, on your seven-ish. Um, so how, how have you gone about like, being intentional with that or were you intentional or, or were, was it more that you needed some like getting kicked off your your donkey uh yes. like Paul kind of scenarios like having those moments where your wife's like it happens like dude what the hell you are a patriarchal <laughs> piece of crap uh, that's, right from, you know, that's really sexist uh, uh, yeah. and I'm not okay with it like yeah, obviously that's cool. the moments where you're like oh crap I'm on my ass and like you know wow what's happening no I mean yeah like uh the, the yeah <laughs> Aberlin like most women has carried a lot of emotional water for me <laughs> like yeah like um yeah I yeah I I have no idea I have no idea well actually I have some ideas and they're all frightening and I am leading a cult um if I did not have Aberlin like <laughs> um yeah, they are they are scary potential futures um no um a couple, there's been a couple of particularly helpful, uh, helpful moments along the way. Um, uh, some really helpful resources have, uh, I remember you and Jordan were talking about this, actually, you were talking about The Body Keeps the Score. Um, okay, yeah. Really, 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 really great book. And that was uh, the... <laughs> you know, the, the first step of, uh, the first step of uh, um, changing is admitting you have a problem. You know, like the first step of uh, realizing that, like you're that, like you are not good, not in a good place, you're not okay, yeah. is experiencing that you are not in a good place and you are not okay. And like I, you know, like I could talk a lot about my trauma. Like I could talk a lot about what was hard about my life growing up. I could talk a lot about you know, where there was neglect or where there was, you know, like where like there was just hardship or suffering or like where there was doubt or where there was fear. Like I can, I would love to talk about that. I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, so, but like not in a, not in a way that actually I'm connecting with that, not in a way that I'm it's very, very, uh, I, the way I, the way I have made it in life, the way I have coped is um, through, getting really, really, really good at the vocabulary and the language. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically using uh, people and in, in situations as like sounding boards, like talk this thing through, like talk through like, wait, so, so, you know, so like, this is like how I see what happened to me. And this is like, you know, how I see like my experience and stuff. And then like read the room. I'm like, people are feeling this. This must mm -hmm. be for real. This must be like, you know, people get this. This is my experience. Like it was always working from, outside back towards myself to try to figure out what was going on in me. 
and the body keeps the score comes along you know and it's like it's like what do you feel in your body and i'm like that's ridiculous it's like what like like you know like like what could like 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 you know like emotions aren't in your body emotions are things they are you know ephemeral like quasi spiritual uh sensations that like don't they're not like physical sensation is not emotion right Mm -hmm. um and they're like okay but where do you feel tension and then i'm like is that so i like you know i'm like I'm, I, you know, I work on a garbage, I've been working on a garbage truck for the last 10 years and I've consumed most of my material through audiobooks. So I'm like listening to this. Right. And I, 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 I remember exactly where I was. Like I'm like sitting in the cab. I had just like picked up a stop and like, I just pushed the air brake in to go to the next stop and like pull the air brake again. And I'm like sitting there and then I keep sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, is there anywhere I am not... <laughs> <laughs> is there, the like, anxiety right where do i keep tension every single and, cell thank you and, like and like but especially like in my gut especially in my gut and they're like and they're, they're, they're like play again and it's like you know like for many people that like are really like removed from their like really removed from their emotions and move removed from their bodies like to start you have to actually just listen pay attention to what your physical self is mm. doing which you know for lots of us like you know the heart's deceptive the heart's deceiving above all things who can understand it like you know like like the, like the flesh is like at war with your spirit mm. so like really what could be a worse idea to find out truth about yourself than to give to like you have to give your body the time of day. Like, cause it's just here to give you grief, man. Like mm. it's going to pull you down. Um, it's going to deceive you. And, uh, and you know, like, <laughs> so yeah, like uh, it was, it, it really was, it really was a kind of all of a sudden moment. I'm like, I have felt low at minimum low key anxious mm. for about 31 years <laughs> oh my gosh it's, and it's terrible it is it like it, it we laugh because it's how we relieve tension to protect ourselves yes. from us from anxiety don't point out my tension here Ethan. This is not <laughs> what this is. um and and it was it really was like it was the start of like this like click where it's like a like so many things that um, some things that cl- people close to me and especially things that like I've been walking through with Aberlin like in our entire relationship where she's just like I feel like you don't share bad stuff with me you don't share hard stuff with me like like you can talk about hard stuff with me but it's not a not really like your hard stuff it's not what you're dealing with right now like that that just doesn't come out and I'm like I don't know how like I don't know how to help you like I don't mm. know how, I don't know how to do that like I mean, oh, that is like, I am doing that. In fact, let's start talking about it. Like, and I'll just like keep throwing darts at a wall until I see something register in you that like, okay, this is probably- That's what you mean. This is probably, okay, 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 okay. I know about that. I know about anxiety. I know about stress. Like I can talk about those things and like, but it's not, it's mm. not, it's not coming out of me. Yeah. 
And so it's interesting. I, I was just, um, I just interviewed a guy called Mark Karras, he's a therapist. Um, and uh, he was talking about um, how much of therapy at this stage is realizing, oh, wow, talk therapy is great, but it doesn't work. We, we need to actually start having practical applications of different things and start doing some deeper dive because for the vast majority of people, while talk therapy can help, it's not the answer. Um, and so it's interesting you're saying that because that's something I've found is I'm like, I can talk and God, does it feel good sometimes to talk? Because I can start talking to people and be like, oh my God, I've got this problem and I've just suddenly become aware of it. But again, now I'm just aware of it. Okay, cool. What next? You know, I, it's, it's not... Yes. a tool to it's a tool in the in the arsenal and in, in the toolkit it moves us forward but it, it it's very rarely the last step you know there's usually right. a lot more to it uh, right so well, interesting well yeah and I, because yeah i've been working on developing a way like you know my i was driving myself to spiritual healing conferences when i was like you know like 18 like you know in tennessee like I, I you know i was driving you know six six hours to go to a weekend-long conference and sleep in my car like all weekend like i wanted to get inner healing i wanted to know about you know like i you know i i loved danny silk like i you know like i like i loved the sozo ministry at bethel like i like i, I like i like i like i ate this stuff i ate this material like i wanted to get it um uh but it somehow, uh, but no, just like, so all this awareness about what trauma is, how it works, how we cope, none of those things was the same as uh, being in my body and um, being able to know what I am really feeling in the moment. Yeah. How um, did you go? go about evaluating that like for me i use something like meditation or something like that is very helpful for me to kind of start i i think i have low interest interoception so interoception is how aware of the body you are oh, yeah. um and i'm often completely unaware of things i'll like i'll be like walking through the house until it's like why is there blood all over the walls and then i'll look at my arm and i've cut my arm and it's just bled everywhere and i'm like oh i guess i cut when do i cut i'm like what did I even cut myself on? Like, you know, so I, I just, I can just be so unaware sometimes, you know, um, um, and other times I bang my knee and I'm a baby, you know, so I'm not right. saying like, I, I'm like some sort sure. of Superman, but like, I think sometimes it's very, very hard for me to like recognize what's going on in my body, how that works, whatever's going on. And I've got some other bits and pieces as well. I've got something called alexithymia, which means that I don't know my emotions until later. Um, so it's only through reflection that I can know my emotion. I, I don't have the bridge in the brain between a logical understanding of what an emotion is and the the firing of, of the actual emotion that doesn't speak to each other. So I have to go all the way around. Um, so it's really hard for me to kind of go, okay, well, what's going on? Or even like, and I'll, I'll talk to Till, I'm like, how can I like, tighten this in my chest? I don't know if it's a heart attack or if that's an emotion. What emotions are in your chest? You know, I wish there was a, is there a, is there a chart that I can put on the wall? That's like a picture yeah. of a person. It just has like little dots on the different parts of the body. Oh, like upper right back pain is you're feeling um, somewhat trepidatious, you know, I don't, <laughs> but it doesn't work like that, right? It's complex. No, no, no. So totally. what, what did that look like for you? Like starting to explore, how do you, how did you, find yourself being able to kind of like center yourself, find that, that feeling in your body. Was it quite natural for you once you started to try and do it or what did it look like? 
No, it was it was not natural. Um, <laughs> no. Um, so this, so like for me, and I, I know a lot, like lots of people str struggle with anxiety. Um, like for me, uh, uh, a real, um, real key thing is that like, I can't tell the truth while I am concerned about what someone else thinks about it. Mm. Like I can't, I can't tell the truth about what's going on with me if I am trying to predict how the other person is going to react to it. That those two things are actually always going to get in the way of each other. Yeah. Um, as, and like, so, cause like I, I had like the double reflex of it's my responsibility to make the other person happy. So like, there's like, and I want to control the other person um, and make them happy. Um, uh, I want to control the way that they see me in this moment so that they are happy seeing me the way I want them to see me. Um, and that like, these things are going to always, that like, this is always going to stop me from telling the truth. Like it's always going to stop me from really, um, letting my emotions be what they are, letting my experience be what it is. Um, and, um, like, obviously, obviously you take that far enough and you're just a jerk. It's like, I don't care what people think. I'm just, you know, that's how I feel. Like, you know, sorry about you, your experience. So it's not, not to say that, but that like, I don't think that's most people. I don't think that's most people with anxiety's problem. Sure, people aren't going to naturally go that direction. Right. The, 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 if that's the, your problem, maybe don't go there. But like, generally speaking, right. for the mass majority. Gen, gen, generally speaking, that like, um, that that impulse, that thing that if you've been made to feel responsible, um, and this is this, <laughs> yeah, if you if you felt responsible for, um controlling the way other people see you, uh, responsible for making sure the way you appear to other people um, keeps you safe, like keeps you uh, wanted, keeps you uh, uh, in relationship with people, then uh, that's gonna, as long as you're holding that in your mind, like you can't, there's the, boom, there's your anxiety you're trying to like predict what's about to happen. You're trying to predict how this will affect them. You're trying to predict what they want. And all of that is just like, there's the buzz of anxiety and your emotions are underneath that and you can't feel them. But to let go of that, to let go of like the, res the responsibility I have to be a connected, vulnerable person in this relationship mm. is to as accurately as I can come forth with what's going on in me. Um, and, uh, and like that my anxiety as it turns out is not for, uh, that like, like uh, most of us learned our anxiety in places where we were not safe mm -hmm. and when we seek out people who we can feel safe with, we seek out people who we want to trust, who we want to share our lives with. But then it comes to these places where, you know, we have our anxiety 
and we tend to like shut down out of instinct. And the the thing that's helped, I think the thing that's helped me most um, uh, is realizing I'm anxious, realizing where it's at, realizing that I can actually physically make myself let go of it. Like it's in my body. Like you can, I can literally breathe and work with my body until that thing actually lets up a little bit. Mm. And then I'd be like, the thing that is most necessary for me to be a vulnerable connected person in this relationship is to tell the truth about how I feel mm. is to tell the truth about my experience because that is vulnerable. Like, yeah. um, and, uh, and like the, the change in quality of how I feel like, uh, the, like, because we th- like we, I've, I always thought that anxiety was just like a low level fear, but like anxiety is also, this is my therapist. It's like it, anxiety is also anger, right? Mm. People who are anxious are also angry. They're scared and they're angry. And a lot of the times, a lot of times the reason why we're harboring this anger, this, this low buzz all the time is because like, we're not safe. We can't, we feel like we're not safe. We feel yeah. like we can't, say what's really going on in us. We feel like maybe people don't want to know or people can't handle it or, and the moment that we actually get to let go of that anxiety enough to come out and actually say what's going on with us. Like it's like, we, we just parented ourselves out of our trauma and we're able to come out and be known and be seen and have the chance to, for the other person to love us as we are rather than, me as I've been trying to present myself as this good thing that I want you to see me as, as this version of good that I want you to see me as. Um, and the most effective tool apart from like taking time to check in with like what's going on in my body um, is like I get up in the morning and before I like look at my phone, before I do Facebook, like I go downstairs and I get a cup of coffee and I stream of conscious like a page or two, like onto a journal, like, journaling sucked for me for so long mm-hmm. I would try it and I would ditch it because I was always trying to like you know I was always like writing for posterity like as I'm like journaling I'm like somebody might read this after yeah. I write so you know write what, my memoirs what sound good I wanted to be a blog post you, you know you still aren't going to be vulnerable and actually say what you're thinking no, either because you have no, to just write what someone's yeah. going to be like wow this nice. was profound and exactly oh, he never struggled well he never <laughs> or if he did he had good he just crushed it yeah, yes exactly so, um, and the, the beauty of doing it first thing in the morning for me is that like, you know, you're processing things while you sleep. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, you've had it like, um, and there's, uh, yeah. Like, and I just like, yeah, I just, yeah. Especially because like, I too have a hard time paying it. I still have a very hard time, like paying attention to what's going on inside of me and like, shit I find myself saying as I'm writing stuff down. I'm like, oh man, like I do not feel okay about like how irritated I was putting, you know, my daughter to bed last night whenever she asked for like another glass of water after I thought she was asleep and I'm about to get to bed. She's like, can I have water? I'm like, you're trying to control me. You're trying to make bedtime last forever because you are not merely a child. You are a conniving supervillain. You are Satan. My life, right? You know, like, um, yeah. And 
Um, I'm like, and then like, and let myself like, right out. I'm like, like, why am I so easily pissed off by this? Why mm. am I like so, why is it so easy for me to like, not believe her, not trust her, like not um, like, what, like, like, and like, and, you know, and then finding answers where it's, and then finding answers where it's like, um, you know, uh, that, that are like on some level, like, you know, um, I think, yeah, I think she's playing me. Mm. I think she's playing me. And I'm like, she's five. <laughs> she's a genius. She's, she's five years old. And for some reason, I think she's playing me. Like, and like we all like we all know of course That's of course so kids are, of course kids are testing their limits of course kids are pushed like they're yeah. pushing but like i think she's like i like i i mean like it's not rational it's i'm re- like i'm i'm reacting out of like this like fear that this is never going to end i'm never going to get out of bedtime like i am never going to be able to go downstairs and like decompress with Adderlin after the day and like talk like i'm going to be in this bedroom for 3 more hours and like, it's going to kill me. Like, that's where I'm at, right? All it took was like a second request for a glass of water and boom, there I am. Breaking point. That was all it, that was all it took. And I'm like, and, and if I hadn't been journaling it out the next morning, I probably wouldn't have yeah. really noticed. I would have rationalized it. I would have like, been like ah, I was distressed or ah, I was just tired from a long day, you know? And, uh, the same same woman who wrote the the book I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, uh, mistakes were made, but not by me. About cognitive dissonance. Yeah, um, she's got the, the she's got the quote. She's like, you know, we are not rational. We are not rational animals. We are rationalizing animals. <laughs> and then it's like, uh, I, uh, yeah, I had to. That that's that's been really helpful for me because. And again, just like you like, can't imagine any other audience than yourself and what's really going on with you. If you're at all like me, yeah. you have to like, put all audiences out of your mind. Um, and yeah, and give yourself the ch- and that first thing in the morning. Uh, it's been really helpful uh, mm. to help, just to help touch those emotions, those moments that um, I would I would brush past or put a positive spin on or rationalize away or like, or just do the push it very down, push it down, yeah. push it down deep. I don't ever feel it or think about it again. You know, I love it. Um, yeah. You're making me want to start journaling again. I I'm rubbish at journaling. But I, I really, <laughs> oh. I really like it when I do it. Um, I just don't do it. Uh, so. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like, it's like, I'm not actually trying to remember what happened the other day. Yeah. I am not trying to create a narrative. I am, I like, like, I like there, I have no, I, there, I don't put any, I'm like not trying to explain anything. Like I'm jumping right in with like, you know, like don't know like why I was so pissed when, you know, when there was a second request for water last night, like, um, you know, I'm not like, I'm not like writing Eve's name. Like I know who I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, it's like, if somebody, if somebody came along and tried to read it afterwards, they'd be like, I don't like, this is madness. Like who is, is he still writing in the first person? Is he talking about himself? Um, but you're, you're probably not even going to read it yourself. It's, it's no, literally no. about almost like helping. Exactly. I, I have, I have never reread one of those pages. Yeah. 
Actually, it's a really terrifying idea. Good idea. Like, yeah, never. Oh, dude. <laughs> so my, my wife um, has like this deck of journals from her life. Um, and even at the very young age, I think it was like five at school, they had a project that like every week for the entire year on a Monday morning, you would sit down and you'd write a little bit about your weekend. It's a great little English exercise and whatever. Sure. And they, they did that right the way through school. Program. She was writing journals and stuff. And I tell you what, have you, have you come across, I know you're really into like, you know, slam poetry and different things. Have you watched Mortified Nation? All these kind of no. like stuff? No, 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 no. If you don't know about, oh, you'll love this. So um, you can find it on Netflix as a, a, it's a documentary, but then there's a podcast and a whole movement of this thing. And you can go into shows and stuff where you can do it yourself. Um, basically the premise is people reading out their most embarrassing moments in their lives that they find in old journals in front of crowds of hundreds of people um and it is incredibly liberating incredibly uh, profound it's it's incredible because this is this person that is reading it but it is not this person that is reading it do you know what i mean you're reading that's your 15 year old self that is you that's that's, who you, that's that person became you and you are that 15 year old Right. But you're not that 15 year old anymore. Right. And you can be laughing about your obsession over a particular person, or you can be laughing about how much of an issue it was when that person fell out with you and you don't even think about them anymore, or you've been best friends for 25 years now, or you got married to them or something. I, do you know what I mean? Like, it, but it's all this kind of concept of time perspective, the way we adapt and evolve psychologically and look upon things so differently um it's just so fascinating um it's really really cool so the documentary well, there's for a whole sure. bunch of different stuff that's, that's fascinating uh, about it I, I really want to go to a live show i wish i had journals but the, but it's it's there's something very um fascinating about watching the inner monologue of yourself like tilly or tilly what might be sharing us maybe um <laughs> here we go Sorry, here we go <laughs> she's asleep she doesn't know she i don't think she listens to these podcasts um but for for a while in her in her like i don't know what age she was probably like 11 or something she would end every um every like new, uh, not news like every um journal entry with like ww and then something profound and it was wise words and so she she had kind of come to this conclusion that she was like some sort of sage and she's like you know today amanda was nice to me but you know julie wasn't very nice and it hurt my feelings wise words if you're ever feeling down just watch Friends. It always makes me happy. <laughs> this is her wise words. Um, I mean, honestly, I do enjoy I, Friends. Um, well, but, <laughs> oh, that's great advice. That's but great. I, yeah, I, I love the I love the concept of. Um, <laughs> so, so part of me when I write a journal, I'm always thinking of like, okay, I need to like, I want to reread these. I want to because part of me wants to do it for prosperity. Sure. Uh, uh, posterity. Um, not prosperity. I'm not going to make much money. For this. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, but, buddy. <laughs> and and it is hard to just write a stream of thoughts. It's, it's almost hard to just have a stream of thoughts without a narrative, in a sense. Right. I know is what we're doing in our head all the time, and that's what we're trying to capture. We're not trying to suddenly give it a structure and make sense of it, because then you lose the the natural flow of what's happening within. It's, it's a really fascinating dynamic yeah. even trying to do that is this really i mean all, yeah all, yeah like obviously like there's like you know i am talking about something that actually happened that i really am feeling so there is yeah it's not yeah it's yeah it's not esoteric poetry you know yeah so that would be really hard 
Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, I think the, the, the emphasis, the emphasis for me is on, uh, like I have to, I have to not care about, uh, any reaction to what I'm saying, like, because, uh, because, because I, I'll, I'll want to control that. I will want to control the reaction. Like I had, like I had real anxiety, like getting like the, like leading up to like us having this conversation because I'm like I'm about to say things on the record. Here you we go. To this forever, Here we go. Ever, ever, ever. Forever. You will I never mean, change your mind. When never. you run for office, people will hold you to this position. Yep. Yep. They're, yep. They'd be like, he said, religion and politics are the same. He thinks religion uh, politics is his god, and I'm like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> I would say that differently now. <laughs> I would like to nuance that. Uh, no yeah. nuance, burn him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Dude, I've really enjoyed this. We're, we're coming up for three hours, so we should probably wrap up. It's That's 3, a, 3 a.m. here, so uh, oh probably should God, wrap up anyway. So. so late for um, you. But no, I, I, I knew it was going to be this late. I, I knew this was going to happen. Um, <laughs> I. But, I've, uh, it's been really, really fun. Uh, and, and I'm sure you are not alone in the journey you've gone on. Um, and everyone's journey is quite unique. There's always so much overlap. So I'm hoping people listening to this are finding different things that you found helpful or, or at least finding themselves within you as well in your journey that um, I'm, I'm sure that is the case. Uh, it's always just so helpful to know you're not alone and not an totally insane person. Um, so yeah, how, if, if people want to connect with you or track with you, do you, do you do kind of social media? I, I like I mean, reading your stuff on Facebook, but I mean, do you want yeah, to have people following I, you yeah, on Facebook? I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, like I, I post things on Facebook. If you, if you, uh, want to occasionally read someone be really, uh, specific about particular coups in Latin America in the last 50 years or i love your stuff on facebook because <laughs> i was laughing about this right because i don't know if you remember this about me or not but i i nuke my facebook frequently like tilly like gets uncomfortable with how how quick i am heavy i am with that delete button like if i haven't talked to you in the last two months on facebook i i say this very uh regretfully because i know people will do it and now judge me and get upset but I, I would check and see if we're friends because there's a good chance that you are following me and I have deleted you. Um, <laughs> I'm like, dude, if we're not in each other's lives, I can add you on Facebook later when I need to. But like, I don't want to be constantly seeing all your stuff if there's no relationship there. Um, I have like 200 and something friends on Facebook and I'm proud of it. And if it ever gets above about 350, I go in and I delete about 50 people. <laughs> um, I, or like if it's like Facebook, it's like, hey, it's Bob Barberson's intentionally fake name. Um, Bob Barberson's birthday today, and I'm like, who's Bob? If I even think for a second, no. If I don't know, delete. You're dead. You're done. You're done. And happy birthday, but you're gone. Um, and so, like, the the fact, my my point, I am gearing up to a, a significant point. When was the last time we talked? Like we said, oh, it's day, right. Oh, it's been it's been Close ten to years. a decade. It's been ten yeah, years. Ten years. We haven't talked in ten years, and I'm Facebook friends with you. Oh, so. that suggests that i want no relationship with you apparently no Sorry. no uh, i mean but you are been, saying something i want to listen to <laughs> same same <laughs> i've been following you for that long um, uh, but yeah so i mean i'll i'll, I'll include your uh, your um your link to your facebook uh in the show notes did, as well like, for people. like 
told stories for the Moth Story Slam. And Dude, your stories, I literally, right before my wife's going to bed, and, I, and she's like a really early morning, and she's like, dude, just go away. I need to go to bed. Go like prepare for your podcast. And I'm like, can I just show you? Because she was asking about who you were, and I was like, oh, it's going to be great. Like, this, this is who he was. And I'm like, can I just show you one thing? And I showed her your, um, your Moth Slam story about the budget, the parakeet. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was dying of laughter about uh, the story of your crazy yes. wild that you, you cannot have 11 kids and random pets things happen dude the phrase durable pet is now a favorite of mine i use it frequently <laughs> because i thought that was one of the funniest phrases i've ever heard <laughs> but uh, talking about having 11 kids in a house yeah. Durable pet becomes a really key component. Um, so, uh, yeah, people that uh, follow Ethan, you should go and hunt through his page and find that. Uh, but, yeah, you, you, you are a great storyteller. <laughs> wise, wise man. So uh, I appreciate you giving so much time to, to come. No, out. it's been, it's yeah. really, like, yeah, it's really been fun. Love you, Bo. Wonderful. Dude, I'll, uh, I'll message and keep up, and I'll let you know when this uh, goes live as well. Um, okay. We'll awesome. Links and stuff. Probably a awesome. couple of weeks. I really, I'm, 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 I'm re I really appreciate you giving like inviting me on, man. Like just like the chance to like think think about like I'm like what the heck has happened in the last ten years? It's like really good. For <laughs> really, I'm gonna be writing about it tomorrow morning. Like I can. I can it's really a journal experience. Yes, right? here it is. It's not gonna make any sense. It'll help. What did I say? Why would I say? Oh no. I would have <laughs> This is what exactly why I don't I listen to I my own podcast. George W. Bush of like George H. W. Bush of mass murder. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's yeah, funny. I love it. Well, have a good evening. You're, you're probably running out of day as well, right? You must be ten o'clock. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, 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 I think, I think Avril is waiting to debrief with me. So, she's or she's like, asleep. Dude. I'm gonna. I know. Yeah, I, she, she might be asleep. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let her know after the journal probably yeah. better to process after the journal <laughs> oh my god awesome. love you man dude love you catch you later yeah yep talk to you soon all right so that was ethan sweetland may i really hope you enjoyed that as much as i did um i know it was a long one we we definitely rambled there um but it was great to just hear about the progression that, that ethan's been on and, and i hope that some of you that are on similar progressions i know not everyone's deconstruction looks the same but those that maybe have similar um arcs uh feel a bit encouraged uh just knowing that other people are on a similar path um like he said you're welcome to connect to him uh on social media uh, i'll put the link to his facebook in the show notes uh, or in the description if you're watching this on youtube um and yeah i'll, I'll see you uh, next time if you want to check out all our, our the good stuff that i'm putting out there for free you've got the grace course you can watch loads of videos and teachings on there the deconstruction network is a great place to connect with other people that are going through deconstruction and it's also where we're putting out um research on people that are deconstructing if you want to be a part of our research we would love to have you be involved with that and so please do check out the deconstructionnetwork.com as well um all right love you guys i'll see you in the next episode